0: In service of Stefan Ozic. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you join me again for another instalment of a truly insightful and educational conversation. This month's conversation was just that, and I am extremely grateful as to the guest who was willing to participate in this discussion. This episode also marks the 10th drop of the Living in Service podcast, which to me, I'm so stoked with. I'm so happy and grateful that I've been able to accrue 10 episodes. It doesn't seem like much, but to me, it seems like a mountain that I've conquered, and I'm now setting sights on the next few mountain peaks and valleys. So be assured that I will be bringing you more and more of these amazing episodes This month, we had the privilege of speaking to none other than Valentin Ozic. Who is he? He is the founder and CEO of fashion label I Love Ugly. He is an entrepreneur, a speaker, and he also hosts his own podcast, the I Love Ugly audio show. Hailing from New Zealand, the brand I Love Ugly has really made a stamp on the global fashion industry, and not just in the way that we commonly view brands. The brand promotes, through the clothes, means of stepping outside from the crowd, looking at things outside of the frame and taking the first steps in any life pursuit with detail and bravery. We get to talk to him about his journey creating this label, all the nitty gritty details in between and what lays ahead for him and his journey. Just some of what is covered is his design and illustrative background, starting how he began to sell t-shirts, the rise of the company, the close fall how to realign focus in times of stress, understanding business and manoeuvring in business, changing the mindset in times of threat, forming long-lasting long habits. We talk about his bout of depression. We talk about how diet and lifestyle plays a huge role in how to mitigate and how to essentially overcome depression. We talk about the role of faith in his life. we talk about many other topics this conversation was very broad-ranging and it went down so many paths and what was amazing about it was we managed to always bring it back to the relevance of the conversation which is pursuing a life and pursuing a path in which you are adding value to the world and in which you are intentional in how you add the value to the world I'm so happy that I got to bring this conversation to you and be sure to support this conversation any way you can. If you are willing, you can like, uh, you can share, you can comment and reach out to Valentin. Let him know what you thought. Let him know what you felt. Let him know what came up. To me, this conversation was a real mark of the angle I'm willing and wishing to take this podcast. So I'm so grateful that I can bring this to you. And please, 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 if you feel, like and subscribe, because that will be some of the best support that you can offer as I pursue to bring more meaningful conversations. Well, anyway, now to the episode. Much love and enjoy. Valentin Ozich, thanks for wanting to take the time and opening up your home to allow me to have this conversation with you in just the tiny home of the moment yeah yeah that's nah, such a nice spot it's like that two store how do you explain it like a cabin kind, kind of, of a,
1: yeah i reckon tiny home with a loft yeah uh you can fit four adults in here quite comfortably and you got the the deck and the outdoor bath this is just my little side business on my property mm. yeah it's it's good man it's a little lucrative little business it's yeah. awesome yeah nestled away in the white is, you know yeah even Got if the way and wood pigeons and it's, yeah. it's dope
0: even the way the awning up, i find it just opens up so much it creates the space to be so much larger as well yeah, it's
1: nice yeah i set up this this project started i, I first started off with a 10 square meter one and then i did it as practice for because i want to you know later on or basically i think business is a vehicle uh for cash which you basically plant into real estate that's the way i view it uh, mm-hmm. I only kind of had that, I only had that realisation in recent years. Um, so basically I started, I had this property four and a half acres and it was quite underutilised. And then I also noticed that an Airbnb in Airbnb and Pihar, there was like very little dwellings available, you know? Mm-hmm. Or it was like big houses that were crazy expensive, so I wanted to do something different. So got a little 10 square meter cabin as like practice. And I was like, man, this is pretty cool. And it started popping off and then I found this one. Um, during the last COVID, the first one, yeah, I saw it on Trade Me, Someone had it for sale, a, a builder, and he was trying to liquidate everything because he's freaking out. So I bought it for like thirty-five grand cash on the spot in Taupo, and then I got a guy just to bring it up here. And this one's this one pumps. So mm. this was just like a little tester for me to kind of dabble my toe into like you know doing little developments and stuff. And then from there, you know, on it went. Just a few mm. other bits and pieces. So yeah with that
0: comment you said about you see business as a vehicle to pump through cash is that what you're saying yeah Yeah. for cash flow yeah 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 Yeah. so with that mindset that's i'd like to actually go into that straight away is upon (coughs) inside outside looking in is when i observed as you you progressed through your business and with the business um we'll expand on this further in the conversation but i noticed that business wasn't necessarily the forefront of your Um, intentions moving forward and how you went about your company and then that's Mm -hmm. something that came later obviously due to circumstances Mm -hmm. I'm curious how you first approached that when you know a lot of people view business as this daunting task with numbers and all these terminologies yet you kind of went into it just took it and approached it what was kind of your first step to kind of start grasping the concepts of business and to propel you forward
1: Mm. Yeah, well when I went to business I was pretty naive and I didn't really know what I was getting into and I think that being naive is both both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in the sense where you actually don't realise what you're getting into because I think if you do realise what you get into you probably won't do it and that's why wiser older people usually by the time are wiser and older well we're not necessarily wiser but let's just say older people are very apprehensive of making change or taking risks because they know too much and are like well the downside or the repercussions of us failing are far too great for me to actually take the risk and I think when you're young and naive and you don't really kind of care or you actually haven't had a few you know battle scars from going into war and failing you just basically just go for it and that's how I kind of started with business and the thing is, is like when I came into uni I had a bit of taste of reality, because I expected a job just to be there waiting for me at my doorstep, but little did I know that you actually have to go out there and get it, and that's the one big piece mm-hmm. that they kind of left out in this fucking $25,000 course that I took, so I kind of went out there, and I tried a whole bunch of stuff, and I realized that, like, man, no one's hiring me, this is weird, and then it's like, well, I've kind of got some skills, I kind of can draw, and I I can see things pretty good, and I'm pretty, you know, adaptable, and I'm pretty up with culture and know what's dope and know what looks good. Why don't I just try try my own thing? So I started dabbling with my own thing and then uh, before you know it, you know, you get get a few customers, but at that time you don't think of customers, it's just like sales. You sell a t shirt a week and then you know you, sorry, you go sell two shirt a month and a two shirt a week and one a day, then two a day, then three a day, and then you just start to kinda of figure out and then kinda of before you know it you're like, Oh, this is actually a bit of a this is a little business. But mm. at the same time when you got a daughter as well, you also need cash flow. So I was just like
0: That's probably where the risk the risk started coming because you well, realised you had I, I more never, to lose. Well once yeah?
1: again risk wasn't really part of my yeah. vocabulary. Yeah, I was just course. like Naive. I didn't yeah, my naivety was my blessing and yeah. it was like my guiding star because it just led me to make decisions on the fly and just figure it out as I did mm. it, which is great when you got nothing to lose. But when you've got a lot to lose you can't really act Mm -hmm. in that way if you were
0: to look back on it now then like with with your sense of wisdom you could say and age even looking back on how it is your approach would you have changed much i know that's hard to ask because you are where you are now but what would you have approached differently and how yeah i would have i would
1: i I just approach it a lot differently and Mm. it's quite interesting like i try to build build these skills into my kids and uh we saw this. Epic house that was for sale, and I wasn't even thinking about a house. I've got a particular house that I want to get in the next year, it's on my goals. But then, you know, the world working in a weird, mysterious way, it popped up like this quote unquote dream house popped up on the market. So I was like, let's go look at it, kids. And then the kids loved it, and it was pretty cool, and it was kind of exactly what I had visualized. And then um, the kids are like, Can we get it? Can we get it? Can we get it? I'm like, Okay, kids this is like a lot of money it's like you know two million dollars and you know I just had to just went through the divorce and stuff and cost a lot of money and this and that and I was like I tell you what I'm gonna go for a run and you guys write me a list and it can't be emotional reasons why this is a good investment or why we should do it and I went away and then I came back after an hour and then Bella my oldest daughter she's like hey dad I've written the list and it was like this is a good purchase because the property markets dip 13.5 percent. therefore it's a buyer's market therefore blah 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 you know and i was just testing him i was just getting him to to uh you know really strengthen that whole analytical mm. mind because the thing is is like i was pretty lucky in a sense and you can call it luck where i came out and i didn't make too many ups although when i first opened my first shop you know, that led me to depression and anxiety and all sorts. I was an absolute mess and I'd be tearing my hair out. I was losing hair, like, how am I going to get out of this? How do people kind of, how do people make it work and go to that next level? And that was a failure that, you know, I basically had to close shop. I fucked the whole thing up. I had to sublet it. I subletted it to this dude that had no, basically no, no way of actually paying the rent. And before I actually knew it, I got a letter from the landlord I owe him something like $25,000 because the person had defaulted on the rent pretty much from day dot. And like, I was like, oh my God. So like, it was
0: laid at your feet. Yeah, was it was my whole thing. Well, geez. it was a sub, sublease, yeah. so therefore I'm still responsible, yeah, of you know?
1: Um, and that was like just a series, series yeah. of mistakes and, 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 and big fuck-ups from, from my naivety. So to answer your question is like, would I change anything? i just approach it probably very differently, more analytical mm um smarter but the thing is it's like you know all those all those series of mistakes that you go through in the beginning mm-hmm. uh no matter how hard they are they're actually the biggest blessings mm-hmm. because that's how you gain your wisdom your knowledge and you can just basically apply that to the next next thing you do you know yeah. and that's then the next next thing you do is going to be far better
0: yeah no nah, it's beautiful it's There's a lot there, because what I hear as well, and I think this is something that a lot of people can relate to, is like when you look at things in retrospect, it can be so paralyzing that it can almost be pointless, but you can also look at it as like a piece of clay. You can play with it, but at the same time, the clay stays the same. You can't really do too much else to it. Mm. You can kind of just take away what you can, but if you continually look at it retrospectively, I think it will just paralyze you. And it sounds like with the business component, because that was the first question, I felt like you answered it beautifully, is that... A lot of that is that, is like almost going through it naively, approaching it with naivete, which is like becomes a blessing, but it can be the curse, but it sounds like without it being too much of a curse, you really utilized it and leveraged that in a way. Mm. So I think there's there's a lot of power in that, like the power of going through things blindly, almost like feeling for the walls in a dark room. You're kind of yeah. stumbling. Yeah, you're stumbling
1: you're, your way into it and you're figuring it out. And the thing is, is like the only way you can gain experiences by figuring out and stumbling and getting a few scratches yeah and the thing is is now now when i make decisions no way am i using naivety because the thing is i've got i've got too much (coughs) to lose and then if i do make a mistake the mistake will be far greater than back Mm. in the day um and the thing is if you are if you don't know the answer then you basically seek out the the professional or someone that does and you have like a guiding counselor around you as well, so you kind of make the decision together, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 you've got different because everybody's got blind spots, everyone's got skills, and everyone's got weaknesses. So you try to surround yourself with the people that actually have the skill set where you're weak, and then that to get you know collectively you can make a more wholesome, wholehearted, intelligent, wiser mm-hmm. decision. And then with that, that's why you avoid a lot of mistakes, and mm-hmm. and that's why you know they call it momentum or whatever and that's how people gain momentum is because they just get smarter around getting smart people around them so they um you know by covering more covering more angles and things start going better and you know you can learn from everything else to Mm. how how to apply it to the next thing
0: yeah i hear like a real powerful message i think is a quite daunting message in this day and ages is that people expect to go into things and have all the tools at their dispense and all the at their disposal yeah. and all the counsel as you said around them and all the right people around them when really you've kind of you kind of just almost have to go into it yeah. and then from there then you can start to get your footing start to build the terrain start to build the land the land and you can be like oh okay that works that doesn't so it's kind of yeah. molding in that naivety but then also molding in that or almost like it's calm, collected intention. Like you're very intentional with the step you take. Mm, yeah, mm.
1: totally, man. And, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that you can get to your ambitions unscathed, but hmm. it's bullshit, man. Like you are going to get a few scratches and you are going to muck up, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Mm. I think, like, success isn't a straight line, it's not linear, it's all over the show. And uh, you just got to figure out what success looks like for you. If success is living in a corner with a cushy job for the rest of your life, if that's that's your definition of success, which to me is damn boring, then that's fine. But I think a lot of people aspire to something greater. They want to be something greater. You know, that old saying, Mm. masses of men live quiet lives with desperation. Mm. Everybody is desperate to step themselves up, take life to another step. Mm. And it's, 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 it's actually impossible to do that without getting a few bruises yeah it goes back to the, a few the,
0: the quote of Buddha: is that life is suffering so no matter what you do you are going to get scaved, you're going to get hurt you're going to be let down you're going to get depressed you're going to be anxious but being able to approach it with resilience and grit it's mm. a big big part of it yeah, and hearing that resilience. even in the in the business component hearing that echo it's just like goes to show how universal that truth is definitely and it's
1: not even business it's life as yeah. well and I think business is just a metaphor for life and that's why I do love it and I'm so passionate for it mm-hmm. because all the all the lessons that I've learned, I've just basically applied to my life, you know, in certain circumstances in my life and it's just it's served me well. And I think that I think it's good and important for people to listen to people that, you know, successful business people, because those are just great lessons that you can apply to your everyday life or if you want to enhance in you know, in a, in a particular hobby, whether it be hunting, whether it be long-distance running, whether it be a rugby player, UFC fighter, like all the principles are the same. So it's mm-hmm. just like if you can just... And that's why I listen to Dudes. I'm listening to that Ant Middleton uh, audiobook called... Um, I think it's called like resilience or something Ex-SAS, like that. S A S, right? Yeah, the S A S English, S A S, yeah, yeah. Yep. And yep. Uh, a lot of the stuff, man. It's like, man, I don't want to be an S A S soldier or, mm. you know. But like all these lessons that he's teaching are applicable to all aspects of universal. my life. Yeah, they're universal, man. Yeah, yeah. it's
0: it's something that. Um, kind of going back a bit but with with the way that um i love ugly you approach i love ugly and you have these posters and you have these posts and you share these open letters and that seems to be a real um underpinning to all your content is that idea of you know success never being linear mm. it's the skewed up and down yeah, like crazy. spectrum graph and that's something you always push is that Obviously, that's quite an intentional move, but I also look at that and don't see many other companies approaching that because the way I look at Alavagli is it's not necessarily a clothing brand. It's like a lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. a way of living. Mm-hmm. Is that some, Was that a progressive, gradual uh, understanding, or is that something you saw from the get-go? You saw that in the vision with Alavagli? No, not
1: in the beginning. I think what ended up happening is when I went through in 2016-17, you know, when... Prior to that, we were like that's when I thought success was linear. You know, we went from zero to hero in a short, short amount of time, and then, um, and then after that, kind of reality caught caught up, and then all the, all the little naive decisions and stupid, stupid decisions that I've been made made the last you know the years prior, all came to a head, and you know the bank was calling it in, and we were didn't manage our business. Our Just firm. to
0: give a bit of context, you your company started to like thrive, you opened the store in LA, yeah. Melbourne, you had the Wellington Sydney. store,
1: Auckland, Sydney. We had a license deal for South Korea, it was like four stores in South Korea. And
0: um, it kind of reminds me of the saying is a is a fence that's um, built quick usually tends to fall quick yeah, and yeah. I can't help but reflect back when I was looking at that amazing immense rise that there yeah. was like, I didn't obviously have any of that awareness that it would fall but it almost kind of ties into that again.
1: Yeah, oh, 100%, man. And that fence was built real quick. And the thing is, it's like, success, premature success, isn't actually a blessing, it's a a curse. And a lot of people, you know, they they lust over these people that have these, like, magnificent-looking lives from afar without actual real context. It's like, you know, um, it's like, say, bamboo, for example, you know, I think it takes, like, years... It's like five, I think like five years, years or six or years. Yeah. You know, it's planted or the mm. seed is the seed sprouts underground, and then it basically takes six years for an order. For, I might be, you know, botting this and fucking yeah. it up, but for it to actually reach the surface, and once it reaches reaches the surface, it can grow like sixty feet in ninety days or yeah, something yeah, crazy yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that's how it should be. Yeah. But I think I was trying to like shortcut that whole thing, and I wasn't doing this consciously. Yeah, we were just course. doing what we knew. And that's why my approach to things now is so much more different and um but anyhow yeah we it, 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 it rised up super quick and um and basically you're just saying yes to every single opportunity because that's all you know and <laughs> that 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 fence fell down pretty pretty damn quick and it wasn't because of it wasn't because of like you know people not wanting wanting the brand or you know it turned off overnight it was just because all the boring stuff You know the roots under the ground weren't stable they were rotten they were frail they were weak they weren't deep enough and then when we got hit with a storm yeah that tree fell over pretty pretty Mm -hmm. damn quick and then that was um after that i learned it's just like take your time focus on the important not the fancy you don't need the fancy cars and the fancy offices not right now Um, don't skimp out on stuff that's important hire a hire an expensive financial controller you know, hire everything that you're weak in. Um, and even if it means you have to take a haircut And your salary, like do all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because the thing is, is like when you do get going, you can control it rather than getting speed wobbles and repeating the same mistake as you made previously. And, you know, history, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And the thing is, is like you definitely want to avoid as many mistakes as you made previously going forward, knowing that. Knowing the knowing the heartache and the despair and the anxiety and stuff it took you to fucking repair repair the damage from from you know having an uncontrolled uncontrolled kind of you know view view on building a business. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, there's a lot there. I like what you said about history it doesn't repeat itself; it rhymes. I think that's something. There's there's truth in that, and there's also like you can dissect that so much, and there's i think it's very relatable is that if you can look look at how you made the decisions you did make um from any decision that anyone makes is that yes it repeats itself but yeah it probably does just rhyme mm. you're almost patterning mm. you're just when in other words you could probably just change the whole word and it won't rhyme anymore yeah, <laughs> yeah. um i want to kind of bring it back a bit um and you you touched on a few aspects of it but like even just the start of grassroots like where i love ugly was first conceived like how did it start how did your beginning start where did it all begin for you you know your your knack for artistic expression and illustration Mm.
1: well i was a i was a creative and an artist since i was you know a toddler really and um and i always saw saw things and i saw how i always could see how things could be better or corrected and i was just like it was just my my skills and my talents, my God-given skills and talents. Like everybody has them. Um, a lot of people probably try to ignore them, um, but they're there. And the thing is, is like I was pretty blessed in the sense where our mum, my mum, your mum, you know, she saw that as well, and she really encouraged it. And I think looking back, I think it was amazing. And I try to do the same with my kids. And I think parents do have the ability to see from afar the skills or the talents that their children have and I think it is their job to really nourish those and nurture those as best as they can. So that started as an early age and, you know, I always enjoyed art and things like that and I just understood it. Um, which is probably a bit of a weird concept to gauge because it's not like math where there is, you know, a formula to it. The cool thing about art is there's no formula, it's subjective and you can do whatever you want. So I just I just basically embraced it and just went for it. And then I decided to you know, reluctantly go to uni to.
0: Yeah, I want to you know. kind of touch. I don't want to kind of let that slip because I think that for me, even as me as a young kid, your younger brother witnessing that process unfold is that you had so much resentment, you could say, to the structure of school, yet you were you were, um, pursuing this art and you were good at it, yet you couldn't you couldn't really. Um, Grapple with the idea of like a structured approach to school yeah. and then you you ended up doing that design board yeah. in year 13. I want could you talk about that a bit like what what was really like what caused that and what was the outcome? Yeah, from well, that?
1: it's like, you know, I was bumming around year 13 Year 12 year 13 like didn't know what the fuck I was doing and why I was there I was like and that was when kind of looking back That's when I felt that I had the first little waves of depression and it was mainly because I was lost And i felt that i didn't really fit into this like perfect structure of the way things should go or the way people should basically go in in this in this world and how to navigate this world which is go to uni go to go to school get good grades go to uni get good grades get a job blah blah blah, white picket fence all this stuff i was like man this doesn't resonate with me but at that time i had you know my our parents were traditionalists and they thought that we had to go down this path which I thought was the best path and the only path in order to succeed in this life. So I reluctantly obeyed that path and went down mm-hmm. that path. And, um, and the thing is, is like all it basically did was when you ignore that voice inside of you, that's screaming to do something differently and then you reluctantly go the other way because you want to make somebody else happy, I think it's going mm-hmm. to eventually lead in disaster. And the thing is, is like, don't get me wrong. The parents they thought, you know, this was this was the right thing to do. My cousins had done it. My brother, older brother, had done and it. And the
0: parents came from a worn, torn land, like literally. Yeah. And they saw. it.
1: But also, everybody was doing everyone, it. Every fucking yeah.
0: parent. That whole generation yeah. came from that.
1: And they still do to this day. Yeah. Like I hear some of my kids, my my kids' friends talk, and I, once again, repeating history. You know, about just doing the exact same thing. And I'm like, oh my god! And then I go to. Go to tell them and bella's like don't lecture them dad don't lecture them it's pretty funny but anyway i went um yeah went went down this path and it was uh man it it, it just sucked hey eh? i was just like what am i doing and anyway i uh got to the end of the year and i was pretty good at design and the teacher could see it as well and she's like look you're gonna fail you know the principal was like you know we should kick you out because you're just here you're pretty purposeless and then I was like, well, you know what, like, I'm pretty good at this stuff, I'm just going to give it a crack and then I put together like a design board in the last two, three weeks, which we'd had a whole year to prepare, which to me is a, is a bit of a laugh in itself. <laughs> and uh, I did it and I just skipped the whole process, how I came up with this idea of bullshit and I just did whatever I thought, just did the end result. And I, as a result of it, I think I got second on New Zealand, the second best mark. And you got a scholarship, scholarship didn't you? Yeah. which I didn't even end up claiming because I didn't know what the hell you know it was and all this crap. And um, and that to me was like, huh? Well, I actually didn't need that accolade to tell myself that okay, you're pretty good at this. I kind of already knew it. But what I hated was the structure, you know, the way the whole structure had been designed in order for your true talents to really shine through um, which was all process, formulation, you know, doing it through the education system, like all this kind of crap, I I just wanted the end result, you know, I just wanted Mm -hmm. to do something, like make cool projects, and then, um, that basically went to that, and the next year, the first year of uni, you know, I was always into, into hip-hop and rapping and making music, and me and my best mate at the time, we had this little group, and I loved the kind of artistic expression of rhyming words, but also what I loved is the whole packaging, Behind it and the brand behind yeah. it, you know. And I started. I did, I did my my first project, Frozen Capitals, and I sold this EP. I think I sold like 500 copies, just hustling. And I loved it, man. Just like I had to design like a logo and a CD cover and the whole kind of, you know, the whole aesthetic and everything behind it. And um, and I was like, man, this is this is this is epic. And I'm not. I'm like, you know, I I can't remember if I made money, but maybe I covered costs and things like that, which was at the time was pretty pretty impressive and then i kind of came out of that i was like man this is dope and i don't need to get i I don't need to get marked on this and you were at
0: university at the time first year of uni
1: the true mark you know the true like test score result was whether or not people bought it you know that was like a that was the voting system and that actually encouraged me more um than any other bullshit or you know degree or design Mm -hmm. project or anything like that and i just I just kind of continue to do that stuff but then I kind of lost myself for those few years and the illustration yeah.
0: component came in I recall in the um EPs you did yeah I yeah recall I recall that, 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 all started that started to really start to reach the
1: surface right definitely well it's like at that time you know like white boy hip-hop it's like you're well not not a gangster not, not any of this stuff so it's like well I'm an artist so let's just do that and Mm. Kind of that, that shined through.
0: You, you were, well, not to kind of divert a bit, but you were rubbing shoulders a bit with Tom Scott as he was like, yeah, yeah. coming like Tom As Scott. he was starting yeah, to come he, up.
1: Yeah, homebrew at the time. Like yes. we performed at the New Zealand Breakdance um, Nationals, something like that. Yeah. It was like us and Tom Scott and we, him and me still laugh about it that, to this day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. At, at that same time. And then, uh, and then after that I was like, oh, it's going to be pretty hard, pretty hard to crack it and nurse yeah so i kind of like stopped doing the music thing and started you know honing in more on my skills on the whole design mm. marketing mm. you know packaging illustration type thing yeah
0: for those listening just just to kind of give a bit of context is tom scott's probably new zealand probably new zealand one of new zealand's most prestigious the better rapper not to arguable but in my opinion just his whole approach and how he's managed to what he's managed to do for himself, and from the lyrical side, he's one of the better ones. So it just gives a bit of context there. Just if you guys are wondering who the heck is Tom Scott, anyway. Yeah. So with the so the illustration spot started coming in with the EPs because I recall that I remember seeing all those caricatures that you were manipulating and working with, and like seeing this come to light. And then from there, I'm curious where the illustration started going to the T-shirts. Where did that start to come?
1: Yeah, well, I kind of started to, I was like, man, I'm pretty good at making these trippy, abstract characters, illustrations. So from there, I um, I started just kind of doing more of it, and that's what I kept getting drawn into. Rather than graphic design, it was more illustration. But I did love the graphic design element as well, because I thought it was handy, and I was pretty good at that as well. And then in the final year of uni, we had to do a presentation that was the same formula as the end of school where didn't do shit. Did everything in the last minute, and then um, you know, you have all these people that were spending a year showing their process, and I just did all mine last minute, and then I got, you know, I had my display, and it was I thought at the time pretty cool, and then I got a, I got like, because uh, a clothing label could stitch ministry, and they wanted me to do he- heaps of their men's stuff, and then MTV wanted me to do all this crap, and then Adidas originals and. Comedy Central got to do their business cards and a few other bits and pieces and just a whole bunch of different things and then um and then you had to come up with a words or three words that describe your style for me it was I Love Ugly and I was kind of without even, even knowing at the time it was just like this little brand name thing that I had and at the time I thought I Love Ugly was a an art collective and a movement and I actually started I Love Ugly first was born uh, when it was first born it started as an art magazine where I'd basically people? interview interview people on MySpace, like artists from all around the world, and I'd compile these magazines together called I Love Ugly magazine. And then um, I was like, Oh man, this isn't very lucrative. It's kinda hard. Prince almost Prince dead, that's when digital was on the rise. Yeah. And then um, This I, is
0: when MySpace was like My Space was that social media.
1: Yeah. And I was stumbling my way yeah. trying to figure out, okay, I've got these ideas, I've got these skills, I'm good at this, what am I gonna do? And that's another lesson in itself. Is a lot of people are like, I don't know what to do. It's like just fucking start and figure it out. It's exactly what I did. It's not like I had this like light bulb moment where I knew I'm gonna start this clothing brand, of call course. it Eye of Ugly, and this and that. I started as a fucking rapper, and then I did rap. And then I did album covers, and I did this and that, and then I started doing illustrations and all this, and then I started just had this weird. Name called Isle of Ugly, I used to do paste ups all around the city illegally because I was massively inspired by Shepherd Ferry from Obey, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know what the hell it was. But all I was doing is I was putting one step in front of the one foot in front of the other, and starting my journey and figuring out what the destination was going to be. Mm, you know kind where of, I was going to get to. I was f- stumbling my way into it a, naively. A, and the thing is, is like don't let perfect get in the way of progress. 'Cause the thing is is like if you do that, you're never gonna start. So I just stumbled, 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 and then after that I was like, this Isle of Ugly thing is pretty cool, it's a cool name, it's you know, kinda catchy, it creates that sense of wonder and I just started doing my weird illustrations, putting them on two shirts. I tried to scrimper them myself and I was like, this is stupid, so I just outsourced that. I was like, "Okay, hey, these t-shirts are kind of popping off." They started to get a bit of a cult under. And at this follow. time,
0: and at this moment as well in your life, you'd, you're working multiple jobs, and you're yeah. just you just found out, like within like you yeah, had three weeks ago that you're about to have a baby. Yeah, so
1: that that bit, so that bit came a bit later. So I was just like, I had of ugly. I was kind of mucking around, um, you know, working at Blockbuster Video. I finished my degree. Didn't know what the fuck I was gonna do with this degree. I almost felt like it was a twenty five thousand dollar worthless piece of paper. And then, um, and then I met this girl. And then we kind of started started dating. And then yeah, and then we had the baby. So we had. Um, but you had like
0: you really. That's three, weeks, and, yeah, three yeah, weeks. Yeah, three, three weeks, three to weeks notice. Really. She was she was
1: six months pregnant. We didn't know. And then once we found out, we had three weeks to prepare for an eleven week premature baby. And that's when I was like, oof, okay. I was 22 at the time, and then reality kind of kicked in. And I was, at that point, I was like partying, you know, drugs, partying four or five days a week, you know, flatting. I was a bit, real piece of shit, um, at least in my eyes. But then I was still kind of, still kind of like had out of ugly. I'd say I'd be doing it like 10% of my time, but I had no incentive to actually give it a crack. As soon as I had my daughter, my premature daughter, it's like, okay, bro, you got to grow up you got no money, you don't have two cents to put the rub together, it's like you got to kind of grow up fast. And then I basically um, started working at the bank, and I absolutely hate, hated that, but I had to. And I started doing Isle of Ugly, you know, in the
0: evenings more seriously. What would that pertain when you would be doing Isle of Ugly in the evenings? Would that mean like you'll just... Focus super hard on illustrations. At yep. that point Heaps in of the of timeline, that was it,
1: right? Heaps of illustrations. They're yeah. hustling hard to get yeah. wholesalers. Okay. Like emailing, what, did that, what was that? Emailing, like, hundreds of retailers all around the world in New Zealand. But I was really focusing on the international thing. Um, and it would mean I'd get an order. Like, I'd get one out of a hundred would place an order, you know? But they'd place the order, and I was just figuring it out, and I'd just do it, and I'd do all my... Didn't have any spreadsheets, everything would be on a calculator, invoices would be done on Photoshop, like, just kind of figured it out, you know, and then, um, and then did that, and then I got a, I got an opportunity to have a promotion at the bank, but then the lady was like, look, I don't think this is you, I think you're destined to do what you're doing, you're a creative and once again, that was another... No, another little angel little, way. Another little angel when at no. the time I resented her and I hated her because no. I was like, I want this $20 hour job, which was a lot back then. Yeah. But then after that, it's like, man, she was so true. And I, I was like, I still need to work, but I need to get something that's a little bit more aligned with, you know, what I'm doing. So I started just basically working at Color, like picking t-shirts in the warehouse. And it exposed me to more designers and artists and things like that. And how like an apparel company kind of works. It started to kind of fall into play and then I naively, there was a shop up the road in this real shitty little area on the outskirts of the city that came up for lease and me and my, my wife at the time um, went and had a look and she was like, let's just do it. And she was way more you know, more balls than me in that sense and I was like, well, should we get someone to look at this lease? And we just signed it away and that was kind of the start of our first shop, Isle of Ugly being taken seriously. Um, started I had like 20 grand savings at the time um, opened up a shop broken puppet just imported brands from all around the world like pretty cool brands that like I was surprised that they actually wanted to you know to go with a shop it was like North Projects and paras Rockwell Clothing and just a bunch of stuff but I love ugly always sold sold the best and um, and that was the first that was a, probably the tough one of the toughest years of my life because didn't know how to run a business and I had a, I was starting a retail shop. I, I took the leap of, you know, we were living upstairs above the shop with our little one-year-old, two-year-old daughter and I was also trying to grow a label and I was trying to do it all. You know, I was trying to figure out how the point-of-sale system works, uh, how to do ordering, how to grow, grow the clothing brand and this and that. And um, and then I actually led, like, it basically led me to a deep, I got into a deep, deep, uh, form of depression. And then my coping mechanism was marijuana at the time, and actual codeine, and I was using it because um, I knew that I knew that I had a lot of shit. You know, the reality was I owed bills, I owed rent, I owed. You know suppliers and it was fucking hard man mm. and you had a daughter and i'm like 23 24 at the time you know and you're trying to be the man and step up and it was a lot man like way too much cut off way more than i could chew and um and that just led me to go yeah just my coping mechanism was weed and encoding and and um shit diet like lollies and all yeah, how did crap. how did
0: you start seeing that because obviously when you're in the in the moment of that deep state of depression that you see those coping mechanisms is just that how did you see that this wasn't sustainable and, f- and functional for well,
1: basically my brain was just like given up my body my whole everything my spirit was broken everything and i had everyone started to see me i was like lost so heaps of weight i was skinny just looked like shit and uh, everyone was saying quit 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 like go get a job just quit just pack it all in and uh they think they're helping at the time and that's why i always tell people it's like when going gets hard don't go to your mother or don't go to family because they're gonna naturally want to protect you and tell you to pack it in and just go to the safer Mm -hmm. route that's Mm -hmm. not what you want to hear you want to figure out okay how can you make it better but anyway I, um, and it's
0: coming from the purest place too, that we yeah, to do definitely. go to your family, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah,
1: because you don't want to see your children suffer of or course. the ones that you love suffer. So you basically, you know, you want to try to eradicate all the problems, which is just to quit of and course. just to make it easier. But the thing is, it's like, listen, is if I can figure it out, anyone can figure it out. But anyway, and I had no mentors, and I didn't listen to anybody, like yeah. how I'm telling people Because that, that,
0: wasn't, that wasn't really part of it at that point in your development, eh? Like mentorship, podcast wasn't even a thing, Hell books a, weren't really a thing. It wasn't even on my radar, yeah, didn't even know it existed. Course.
1: The only thing that I knew existed was, surely there must be a drug that can make all this feeling going away. And that's when I was considering really harder drugs, like hard drugs, you know, that can make oh, all the anxiety, well. depression, everything disappear and at the time i felt really isolated I, i i really begrudged my family and i blamed everybody and i was like nobody fucking helps me nobody reaches out to me nobody even takes my kid like you know i was 24 with all this trying to figure this shit out take the kid for the weekend so i can actually just have a breather and just try to like figure it out so i was basically getting in every angle you know i felt at the time anyway and um and my capacity and my threshold for, of, of control was tiny at that point, mm. so I just basically the drug drug thing I was like, "How can I get a better drug?" Luckily at that time, um, I didn't make that decision instead I was um, I went on antidepressants, and that just like that was the worst worst decision because all it basically did was just like numbed me medically of course. You know, I got these anti I don't know what they were, and I was just numb. At that point, I really didn't give a fuck. I had a landlord calling me up that I owed money. I had creditors calling me that I owed money, and I just didn't care. I basically wanted to sleep all day, um, in bed, upstairs, all day. I was just sleeping. I was just tired all the time. And that's (laughs) even I know Kanye as well. He kind of described something similar where these drugs would make his bipolar disappear or whatever it was but and he couldn't create and he you couldn't can't create you don't care man you're just a zombie essentially and um and i remember one of the i went to at this point i had this was when i had all that back that backlog of rent that hadn't been paid and i went to one of my dad's lawyer friends just to kind of help me out like pro bono to sort of this legal shit of all this you know to try to plead to the to the landlord that i was like naive and blah 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 and um, he was telling me I should double down on the drugs, you know, on the antidepressants. And at that point, I was like, Nah, there has to be a better way.
0: Yeah, what was it's that? That's what I'm curious. How and did you where, How did you start to see that this victim mindset that you're steeped in? How did you start to see that? You, it just seems to be so characteristic to where you've got to at this point. Is there's this peace in you? That's like, well, there's got to be another way. What is that? Like, well, where does that come from? I, I think from?
1: like I think that. You know human beings are survival creatures and they know that they know I, I went down the self-medication route which was like you know the weed the alcohol the codeine and yeah it helped temporarily but long term didn't work so i did that i went down the the medical route which was you know prescribed antidepressants by a doctor that didn't work so i was like okay i've tried these things why don't i try some natural stuff and then I can't remember why or how, but my wife at the time, her auntie was a naturopath. And then her mum, so my mother-in-law, took me to this lady. And uh, she was like, okay, you're too thin. Your diet is junk. How often do you go to the sun? Go into the sun. You know, how often do you exercise? Stop taking this medication. So she put me on like 5-HTP, which was like a natural serotonin booster, first and foremost. I chucked out all the other drugs. I stopped taking all the other drugs. Um, I started to eat better, so like, I'd combine like, I'd eat more like butter and cheese and like chicken broths and things like that, and I... And is um, this around
0: the time when you stumbled across Dave Asprey and like, uh, was no, this just that was just a bit later, after? so this was so, okay. this was,
1: so I did all that stuff, and then um, I'd take the five, go in the sun, start running, you know, and I used to be like a pretty, you know, high up there athlete at oh. high school and stuff, like competitive football, and I wanted to be a professional soccer player at one point. And I was like, whoa, man, I feel fucking good, real good. And immediately, not immediately, but I, I can't remember exactly, but in those weeks or months or whatever, I started that, that dark cloud of depression and whatnot started to lift. And I started to see things clearer. So at that point, I was like, I want it just from eating better. So I was like, okay, hey, I've way overcomplicated my life and I've, way, I've added way too many things too quickly. So i was like first and foremost i need to shut this shop down because trying to build a multi retail store and build a label at the same time was just hard
0: yeah because this was a this was a huge part of it too because with the broken puppet you saw that this i love ugly thing could be a thing yes and it sounds like that shop was almost like a leverage tool to push that brand which and it was. was was this the fork yeah. in the road where you're like well i've got to drop this yeah. boutique store and go full well it's
1: like and i always tell you this it's like the man that chases two rabbits catches none and i was trying to chase two rabbits and the result was catching none so what i had to do is i had to simplify so basically stuck shut the shop and i just went to really recover just mentally physically spiritually so i ended up living we ended up living in our in-laws just up in the in the you know in the attic type thing just lived there for a while just so i could recover and get my strength back and just kind of get my mojo back, you know, my confidence back. And I just went on a road to recovery. And at that point, it was like, I was still limited in my tools and what I knew. But I just followed the real basic advice of of, of this naturopath. Um, and then and then I started to get a lot better. And then and then, uh, and then I was like, okay, hey, what am I going to do? Because everyone at the time was like, just get a job, get a job, get a job. But I knew it's just like, nah. That's not me. I'm different. I'm How there. did
0: you confront that when that was kind of a constant uh, I echoing? I just, just, just ignored mm-hmm. it, man. Yeah.
1: Like, And I was blessed in the sense where I did have the comfort of, say, living with our in-laws and they didn't charge us rent. But I was still hustling and I still had these little jobs, you know, from like Adidas Originals. I got to do all the interior for the Wellington store and a bunch of stuff and things like that just to keep keep that courage spark. And I started doing art exhibitions, um, like kind of like, you know, bootleg kind of art exhibitions sold sold heaps of art and prints and stuff like that and i was like man i love this stuff and then started doing the t-shirts and then um and then there's an opportunity for a multi-space multi-space uh, office set up like in the city fringe and asos contacted me and i were like man we really like your label would like to make an order and they placed a 35 grand order and i was like holy shit okay because at that point i was going to really pack it in because mm. i was like oh this isn't working and then this came which was another little blessing but then i was like okay i am really good at the creative stuff and um but all the other stuff administration logistics business of finance the systems all that stuff it's like i could figure it out but all it's going to do is drain me and take away the focus from the creative stuff which is right now is what's getting us attention and at that time i met my mate met uh, this guy barnaby and uh, he was pretty good at it so I was like hey bro do you want to kind of come on board and do this and um, yeah you can figure it out and then you're not going to be an owner I can't really pay you much maybe a hundred bucks a week or whatever but if you prove yourself after 12 months or whatever then maybe you can get some equity in the business and at this time it was nothing it's just an idea he did it once again he was on a similar journey to me and um and he just basically together what, we built it.
0: What point was this? Like, what was the year of? I
1: can't remember. It was like yeah.
0: two thousand, maybe twelve or something. Eleven. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So basically, the inception of our lovely, you could say, was tw- two thousand and eight. Yeah. So there was that four, three, four, maybe five year window of just persistent grinding, Figuring almost out. essentially not getting anywhere. And it kind of goes back to that analogy of the bamboo. Yeah. You're building that, you know, even though later in the path you did rise really quickly, but it sounds like you did still really build that root foundation yeah. that that seemed to be solidified. Figured it out, Hence man. probably why you didn't completely liquidate when you were near that in yeah. 2015. Uh, yeah. That's probably why you didn't, because yeah. there was such already, like, without knowing it at the time, that the always were such a strong root base there.
1: Yeah, totally, bro. And yeah. I think that and everything else like i always say on my advice i was like the success in business and everything is i reckon it's like 80 90 psychological and just figuring out your whole psyche and all the tools around what to eat what to avoid you know th- what what you got to say to yourself and then the 10 percent part the 15 20 part is actually like the, the tools the tactics the books the information um and i was just basically acquiring I was just acquiring experience was, you know, how to, how to mentally conduct myself under pressure when I've got creditors, how do I deal with it? How do I deal with stress? How do I deal with anxiety? How do I deal with doors being shut on me with people saying no, people saying you're shit? People, you know, I remember bloggers were saying, oh, this is just a t-shirt brand. And I was like, fuck you guys, like, this is better. Because at that point now, I was starting to develop a vision for what I love ugly could be. And that's what actually kept me up, you know, those late nights and Mm. whatnot. And I just, and and then I was like, okay, I actually want to make something of myself. I've survived the pits. I got over this severe depression to the point where I fully wanted to drive 100 kilometers an hour into a brick wall type depression. Like Mm. it was so dark, you know. Um, And I'm not unique in that sense. We've all been there. I know that. I'm not saying I'm unique in that sense. But I'd been there and I survived it and I overcame it. And even to this day... You know, I've survived it and overcome it, and know how to. I know the early signs and whatnot. But I just kept, kept going, man. And that's when I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna do this, man. I'm gonna create the best in the world." So it went from I'm gonna survive to I'm gonna thrive and create the best, and I'm gonna make a lot of money for it, and I'm going to create a future for my children. And um, and but the most exciting thing was the person I was gonna become in order to actually pursue those goals. Mm. And that's when things started to really tick. And that's when it's like, okay, there's a better way. There's other people that have done this before
0: me. What do they do? And that's when I started to pick up books. Yeah, okay. So so much of what I'm hearing in the story so far is that there's all these angels, like it sounds like that, um, that banker, and even Barnaby coming, and then ASOS laying that deal. Is that these these were probably all already there but you wouldn't have encountered them and they wouldn't have come forth to you unless you hadn't have gone through the trenches. Yeah, That's so much of what I'm hearing from this story is that you just started. You didn't lay out that There's no framework, plan. there was no plan. It was just, again, going back to that. What we intuition. opened with the naivete, the beauty, the bliss of it is that essentially that just seems to be canvas throughout this whole story is that that naivety, the purity of just having. Knowing and feeling that not even knowing but feeling something and going towards that feeling not necessarily because it felt good But it just felt there's something about it that felt right because I imagine you probably encountered so much self-doubt So much resistance internally so much um, Chatter and bickering from external forces that Mm. weren't intentional, but that was just the way that they arose yet you had this feeling, you continued in that, continued in that, moved forward to that, mm. and then boom, all these things, opportunities arose.
1: Yeah, and they do, man. Yeah, and I think that luck, it's not luck. It's like the longer you stay on path, the more opportunities are presented to you. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: You know, it's not luck. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you get some lucky breaks, you know. I think that we all get some graceful periods in life where you know, God or the universe or whatever gives us some, cuts us some grace. But the thing is, it's like the more prepared you are for these opportunities, unexpected opportunities that arise, the more you can kind of capitalize them and really take them on board and not take them for granted. And a lot of people, like you can look back on your life, you could probably do it. You look back on your life and you're like, oh man, that was actually an amazing opportunity, but I didn't see it at the time, Mm. do you know what I mean? But I think the more in tune you are with yourself and actually being open and receptive to good things coming to you, the more they do. And as you said before, they're always there. You just got to be more in tune and receptive to them mm. and now i'm always i'm always like that man i'm always like like i've, I've got a very positive outlook but i'm also realistic as well um uh, but i've got a very positive optimistic outlook on things and it's like okay where where's the gift in this chaos where's the gift in this wrapped up in disguise and i think everything is a gift to us you know and i yeah. think i didn't know it at the time but um I think I intuitively knew that there was there, there was better ways and better openings and I just basically just just took them. I don't know what it was. They say that mm. gut feelings are guardian angels and maybe it was that, you know. Or maybe it's just because all of a sudden I started to establish a bit of a goal and a vision for my life. Yeah. And I always go on about this stuff and I think that naturally when you know what you want, your brain then knows what's important to you and then it will soon start to seek out those things uh, in order to attain that, that, that goal or that vision of what yeah. you want, almost by default. You and spoke
0: of this about the reticular activator system, it sounds like that's a lot of what that is, is that. right? Yeah, Yeah, it is that. Could you explain that a bit?
1: Yeah, it's the RRS, reticulative activator system, so it's like, you know, when you get a pair of shoes or whatever, let's say you get a blue pair of Nikes, just random um you get them and you got them all of a sudden you notice a lot more people wearing them and or you're like oh people everyone's wearing them they're always wearing them but the thing is it's like now since you've got them you're much more aware of it and you're Mm. more aware to them and the same is said for goals as well it's like when you've got a goal um, or a vision for something all of a sudden you'll start noticing things or you'll start noticing you know conversations or people information Um, because your brain's like, because your brain's processing millions of bits of information at any given moment. The thing is, it's like, it can't, it's, it's impossible for it to process everything. So it has to actually filter through the stuff that's important from least important. So if you've told your brain that this is important to me, it will start filtering all these millions of bits of information. So it will give you the important stuff and it will rise to the top. And that's why, that's why it's just like, okay, I want to... You know, I want to, uh, you know, get a house in this area. And all of a sudden, it's like, you'll start noticing listings. You'll start figuring out ways where you can make that, you know, get the deposits together. And, you know, just everything, it's just all-encompassing and almost like kind of, people say it just manifests by itself. But the thing is, it's like, if you do it with intention and you're conscious about it and you review it as often as possible and keep reminding your brain about, this particular thing is important to me, it will eventually manifest. But it's not all in this magical voodoo, Mm. spiritual way, how a lot of people... That's the big misconception. You still have to take action, you still have to be intelligent, you still have to attain the information in order to get what you want. The thing is, it's like you have to do all those things in combination of themselves, you know?
0: Because that's what Jim Carrey said, eh? he had that million dollar check or five million dollar check in his wallet, and he told himself he's going to get this, so that's basically what he was telling himself subconsciously but he didn't just sit on his ass he still went out Mm. there and pursued his career and then all of a sudden he got that million dollar deal
1: definitely yeah yeah that's your reticular activated system it's one of the most powerful forces in the world that a lot of people don't know about and the thing is is like i think the more you can study that um the more powerful it becomes and the more you know Profound your
0: life can become as well. Mm, I think again it comes into the importance of goals because I think it was you that told me this or someone else is that when I write goals now, even if they seem so damn far off and so audacious, that doesn't matter. You shouldn't limit yourself to where it is you're attaining. Be as far out as you can, it doesn't matter, but if you're still allowing your subconscious or or yourself to have some semblance of an aim, you're getting yourself somewhere, and that for me has been quite a profound impact, and in this last year, just financially changing my whole views around money, and changing the way that I approach it, it's automatically changed and shifted the way that I view money and see money, but that wouldn't have been the case if I'd have not put that to paper, like even having some audacious attempt of having a certain amount of money it's like already shifted how it is i approach certain things
1: yeah if you set your goals based off what you know now you're setting the bar unbelievably low (laughs) do you know what i mean so you actually have to set as you said audacious goals even though you don't have the answer the experience the money because it will allow you to gain all those things you know and a lot of people just set the bench benchmark way too low and the thing is, this like the way I view it, it's like if you want to get to the mountain, there's going to be a whole bunch of boulders and rivers and shit that you're going to encounter along the way. You need to learn how to build a fucking bridge to cross that river. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But if you're like, if you're like, ah, oh, like I don't want to, yeah, you know, I can't get to the top because I don't know how to build bridges or I don't know how to cross rivers. Yeah. Fuck, man, you're never going to get to the peak of the mountain. It's like you need to figure out how to do that. You know, figure out how to cross that river. Yeah. And the same is, that's just like a metaphor for goals. It's like set yeah. the goal high. Like not ridiculously high to the point where it's just like well, it, it 0.5 Yeah, yeah But set or it or enough math, where yeah. it makes you uncomfortable when you get that knot in your stomach. Because it's going to, and, and the beautiful thing is, is the person that you grow as a result of attaining that goal. Yeah. That's the most exciting thing. It's not the reaching the peak it's of, of the mountain it's the okay i had to figure out how to build a bridge you know Mm. metaphorically speaking i had to figure i i I wanted a quick quarter way through but i kind of dug deep and got to this like part of me that i didn't know existed you know david goggins says you know we only reach we're only tapping into 30 40 percent of our actual true potential and it's like and you know you know this on your you know when you're doing your ultras and you're doing your 100k runs it's like how many times do you want to quit Hmm. and your body wants to quit and every cell within you wants to quit but you kind of find something you dig deep and you discover this new part of yourself Mm. and the same is said for any aspect of life and that's why i love those stories because it's like the same is said for everything and anything you know what i mean and 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 life Mm. and everybody has the potential yeah but it's just a lot of people don't want to do the boring shit a lot of people would rather scratch the lotto ticket and it all appear that afternoon but the funny thing about that is even if they win the million dollars in the lotto, they've still got the poor man's mentality, which is why, you know, all of them go broke within the first one yeah. to two years. or That's, end up that's in a pre- statistic and, too. It's a full statistic. But if you actually understand the logic yes. of that, yes. it's just like good things happening prematurely quick when you haven't actually developed the mindset or you haven't actually developed the whole, like, you know, psyche, and it's not—it's now part part of you. Um, if you don't develop that, then you just lose it really quickly. Yes. And we've kind of like—we live in this instant meal, shake and bake, cookie cutter, yes. microwave meal generation where it's just have like all the answers right the away, answers, straight away, the perfect. Yeah, perfect mentors, the perfect. Yeah, no one wants to do the grit. No one wants to do mm. the confusing hard work. Mm. No one wants to be do you know? No one wants to practice patience and perseverance, and it's just like, even you know, our brother Matt was saying, it's like when people, um, the biggest regret of, of property investors is they sold, you know, because they'd rather have the cash in the bank, and then they see the market increase forty percent year on year, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's once again, it's a metaphor for a lot of other things. It's just like just do, practice, practice and learn being boring learn being bored i think success is actually quite boring and it does actually suck but the thing is is like at the end of it it's like yeah. the that yeah. that amazing feeling at the end yeah. of it is yeah. you know that in itself is something to be excited about
0: mm. yeah so once you get that deal I want to bring it back a bit the deal with asos you could say that that was a real pivotal moment in the um business Becoming what it is today, could you say? Is that fair to yeah, say yeah. that that was a very like you don't, instrumental? You don't
1: make, I didn't make any money or anything, it was just once again, it was just like a little, like, little almost uh, moment where it was reassurance, moment of reassurance, where it was like, you've got something here, you're getting the attention, stick at it. That's all it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I did, I just stuck at it, and then I and then. I got this space and then at that time i was with barnaby and a few other mates and we had we were just these young young entrepreneurs that were hungry to make something we started multiple businesses like six seven businesses but it was going back to that whole simplicity thing at the end of it it's like while well, of Ugly's actually got legs it's making something it's a real life business um let's cut all the other crap so we cut all the other crap and as soon as we started to just focus on of ugly me and barnes and we yeah, you know, other people came on along the way It just that's when it really exploded
0: mm, yeah you started to pull together a real team that had the same vision and really wanted to move it forward yeah it's just it's just the, the grassroots nature of it i think for those listening is, is what's like so inspiring but it's also reassuring but it's also quite confronting because it makes you realize why the fuck aren't you going forth in it now yeah. you're not gonna you'll probably be five ten years and I love that idea that um, Malcolm Gladwell talks about, the 10 dark ages, the 10 dark years, yeah. the 10,000 hour, old, some call it that, is that you know, yeah. there's a 10-year grind, a 10-year window where you're probably not going to see any reaping of what, of the work you've yeah. done, but after that 10th year, it could be the 11th year, then you're going to start to build those legs. It goes back to the root analogy. You're yeah. building that root structure. Well,
1: it takes like, yeah, 10 years. That's like a good kind of catchy, catchy... Um, yeah, 10 years but you're yeah. yeah, right it could take but you could also give them 5 years it could take yeah. 13 years in my case you know it took probably 12-13 years to it really started to click mm, yeah. but it's also I wouldn't actually classify myself as a super intelligent person but I would also classify myself as someone that's like seeks wisdom mm. and seeks out the answers and never quits and constant perseverance is part of my DNA um and it took 12, 13 years, it takes 10 years or 13 years to get to that one year that can actually change your whole life forever. Mm. And I, um, a lot of people quit before they get to that year. Just don't quit. Mm. But so, sometimes it is logical to quit, smart to quit. like. You know,
0: you could, you could almost say it would be like, without quitting, it could just say, refine, that, yeah, cut, yeah, you're like cutting.
1: I cut, I cut multiple businesses and multiple ideas. And, and you didn't quit those businesses you were yeah, refining. Yeah, I just yeah, chopped of them course. off, you know, they were just slowing me down, they were dragging the chain. And, uh, and then you get to a point where you're like, it clicks, man, you're good at this. You know how to conduct yourself, you know how to grow. Like, if I was to start again tomorrow, I could probably get to the point I'm at now in 18 months, you know. I think,
0: yeah, wow, <laughs> yeah so um, so with that once once that um you got that deal, you found that warehouse space and you started opening stores. Where was it when you started noticing that whole like this l a um the potential of l a and then you know the Wellington store and the Sydney store and the Melbourne store? where did hmm. that start? Where did you start seeing that whole this has actually got potential, and then kind of goes back to what you're saying that you started to build the house a bit too quick? yeah but what was it that was giving you off that the feedback that think, okay let's start you know capitalizing maximizing grow grow grow
1: yeah well when you got two young males that haven't really made any major major um you know, mistakes up and up in that point of, of time it's like yeah you're just you're just going for it you know mm. and we were just going for it and our egos were getting fed by all the success and the Articles and the attention and the media attention that we we're getting and we just thought that our at that point We had the Midas touch and whatever we touch turn to gold So we just went for it and we also had financial ambitions like we both wanted to be financially retired by 30 years old and So we just went for it and then um, you know We were popping off in LA and at that point I got you know I was voted one of the world's top creatives hundred top creatives like three years in a row, you know alongside like cause and pharrell and kanye and virgil abloh and whatnot which was pretty pretty amazing um God, it,
0: that must have done a lot for your head well, I like, kinda positively like, negatively but it must yeah have done i remember so i was
1: in new york and i was chilling with odyssey and he's like bro congrats and i was like what for and he's like bro you just got voted one of the top 100 creatives in the world for hypebeast i was like oh fuck buzzy like and he's like why are you so chilled man and i was like I, I honestly didn't really at that point it didn't really mean too much for me because okay. i was so busy
0: that's probably such a blessing yeah i was you know, so busy
1: and caught up with this like building of isle of ugly you know and just making something of it and um yeah we just i don't know it's just like we wanted to always be an international brand and then i love ugly was doing well online in california so we we're like oh let's go to l.a went to l.a didn't know fucking anything hired a car and we we're like oh shit this is pretty we're in pretty deep but we just did it just figured it out (laughs) opened up the store and then bro we ended up you know that year that the year previously we made a million dollars profit and then we basically spent all of it the next year opening stores yeah Yeah, and just
0: traveling and and that and this is where it comes back to the start of the conversation is that when all these, all the towers, so to say, started to kind of tumble and then you had to realise like, oh shit, like we could, were knocking on like bankruptcy's door yeah. and then you had to make, again, kind of with the mentality that got you there, you had to use <coughs> that same mentality to get you out of the situation. Yeah. So how, how was that when you're approaching that sort of moment in the timeline of the company, you know, you had all these stores, you had all these employers. Obviously, you had. I imagine you had money owing to the bank, which was probably the mm. biggest component. But the fact you had all these store managers and people, you, there was there was lives that were almost involved, at in stake, yeah. their lifestyle, their their way of living was almost at stake. Yeah. You could say. So how was that when you were approaching that and having uh yeah, even just confront this reality?
1: Yeah. Well, when when you get hit with something, your first thing is denial. So you just deny it. And you basically try to carry on like it's not there. You pretend it's not there. So that's what we did for a while. And you were were at I Love Ugly at that stage. You just deny it. But then the reality of it doesn't go away. You can deny all you want. But if reality is a reality, it's going to eventually kind of catch up and demand more of your attention or whatnot. And at that point, now we were in a naughty corner at the bank. And the bank started... You know having meetings and what are you guys going to do how you going to cut costs and things like that and um that was a scary time because it wasn't really part of our narrative or our or our identity because our identity was success and everything we touched turned to gold to all of a sudden you guys are over expanded you've broken all your banking covenants which is basically a contract that you have with the bank um you've defaulted on payments um you know your cash flow sucks your profitability is non-existent mm. um your expenses are too high you know you guys need to make some changes otherwise you're gonna basically the shit's gonna be all over pretty quick and once again deny so we ended up trying to rustle up and borrowed some more money just to try to put a band-aid of the problem then event, eventually that money dried up because the money's only going to fix a problem temporarily unless you actually get to the root cause of a problem yeah. and we were just basically avoiding the root cause of the problem which was as I said you know salaries were too high way too many staff stores that weren't profitable spent too much money you weren't profitable like your you know there's no governance in the business and costs were out of whack and um and it wasn't until 2017 where it was like shit really hit the fan and the bank basically said hey guys we're calling us in you've got seven days to pay back i think it was like six seven hundred grand plus a bunch of other stuff that was just the bank calling in one loan plus at the time (laughs) we also uh, had tons of debt it was like 1.5 mil debt rent
0: in your stores and alone everything you know
1: we had and we we were laying off staff and then they all want you know trying to take us to employment you know people wanted like seventy thousand dollar payouts and all this shit and uh at that point i was like okay and there's no disrespect to my previous but business partner because him and me are still friends to this day and we actually constantly when we're together we laugh about it and we love reminiscing but he was handling that side of the business and i was also a part to play with that because i was i was you know 50 percent owner of a business mm. um but he didn't have uh didn't have all those you know the boring shit under control yeah and the brand was still expanding we still had opportunities and this and that um and then at that point i fully took over i was like hey bro i'm full taking over now <laughs> i just said it I, like, birthed this company, I'm not going to lose it. I know where we went wrong. And then um, I went to the bank and uh, had the meeting. I was like, hey, look, you're, I'm now your form of communication, and I'm going to communicate with you twice a day. I was like, I can't pay you back in seven days, but give me 30 days, and I can tell you. And I looked the guy in the eye, and we were in bad credit. So said, this guy's a shark. You know, he fucking hurt it all and everything. I said, give me 30 days, and I'll pay you back and i'll figure it out i don't know how right now i don't have the answers but i'll figure it out i remember walking up and back into the office just so defeated and then i was going to lie to all the staff about some bullshit And I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell the truth. Went into the office and I was like, hey, guys. Hey,
0: guys. Sorry, just for a quick interruption. As you heard, the conversation was starting to go down a really great path there. But unfortunately, we had a bit of a technical issue on the mics. The SD card actually ran full. So it didn't record about 10 minutes of the conversation. So I had to kind of backtrack and reconfigure the conversation and continue off from where we got dropped. So that is all and keep enjoying the conversation. Much love. Cool, we're back again. Well, had a bit of a um, technical glitch and my SD card ran full, so we lost about, only probably about 10 minutes of conversation so we can actually revisit it. But where we're at was you went to the bank and you were expected to pay this um, fine, essentially. And you went back to the bank saying like, well, now give me 30 days. Then you went to the headquarters yep. and let your team know the situation, so yeah. we could continue on where we left yeah, off. Yeah,
1: basically, let the team know the situation, and then um, paid paid them back in thirty days. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every 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 cent, and uh, it was it was pretty crazy. But then at the same time, it wasn't my problem. wasn't over. I had to find a new bank because these guys were essentially kicking us out, and then a new bank to refinance us. So everyone's like, at this point, retail had a pretty bad rap. But get out of retail; it's too risky. So we had to, uh, yeah, shop around. I had to basically shop around for proposal around why this bank, you know, why these banks want to want to fund us, essentially, because I still had to borrow more money. Because um, I can't, I couldn't have a banking facility. I basically sold my stock, paid the debt, but um, I had no stock and no no bank, and I still needed funding. So I had to go around and man it was stressful but I got a bank mm. yeah and Ended this, this incur- is the- incurring more debt so at that point I had probably you had know, to remortgage my house sell everything so I probably had about two million dollars of debt at that time for a business that probably on paper looked like what are you doing? you know the most sane thing to do at that time <laughs> was to quit because it was like yeah it was, it was pretty crazy so I could have I could have easily basically dissolved the company, uh, liquidated the company, burnt everybody and started again like as a Phoenix company but the thing is is like that's very grey and I would have burnt everybody in the process mm-hmm. of doing it and it wasn't really in line with my nature. It's a very American thing to do um,
0: but I didn't want to do that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so... What cut off um, in our conversation is that the moment that you left the bank and you said you're going to have a panic attack, essentially. Yeah. Like what? Because you realised the... Did that bit get caught uh, on? No. Nah. Oh, yeah. You realised the intensity. Well, at least I don't think it did. Or yeah. I'll be editing it. Um, the severity of what you had basically taken on yeah. is this, this company is an immense amount of debt and you have to bring this money forth in 30 days. And you basically had to buy out your business partner who was taking a lot of that. Yeah. So in other words, you had to and take lot the business. Yeah, and you get in yeah. the house.
1: So like. And I had to, you know, it just basically spills into every area of your life. And, you know, everybody loses confidence. And you've got all the media crap. It's just constantly, you're getting slammed in every angle, you know. Yeah.
0: Was was this the same time that you did that campaign, that contra- Well, quite unquote, controversial campaign, that wow, ran Years before. Was this yeah. years before? Yeah. Yeah. I wanna I wanna talk about a, b- a bit about that because I feel it ties into this situation. as like you know, no one necessarily likes negative media, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's a lot of fuel. But as yeah. you like went through that I remember watching it go <laughs> undergo, and it was, yeah. there was kind of a comedic element. Yeah. And it was with the woman's breasts and you had the rings covering the breasts and then typical kind of pc media for lack of a better term they basically like swamped you but then it became one of your best assets because it was like free marketing
1: yeah pretty much like i think i don't have i wouldn't have the courage to do something like that nowadays i think you'd get cancelled but yeah man just making uh making the mess of the situation using it to your advantage and how you can leverage off it. But I was at that point where I just, my confidence was sky high and felt like we could do anything and it would pay off, you know? And the whole point back then was just to get attention. So let's just do it at any expense. That's what that was. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty crazy. But I think that once you go, say, fast forward again to 2017, once you go through that stuff, you become pretty humble. you humble yeah. real quickly. Yeah, and it took years, man, for my confidence to come back. And I was so risk adverse, and it's not until I, um, you know, got a I, I got this guy Nick Edwards, who came in as operations um, operations manager or director or whatever you call it, started taking all that operational side off me, until um, I actually started getting my confidence a bit back, you know. And up until that point, we were actually slowly declining. You know, when at the heyday, we were like a nine million dollar business. And then it went down 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 and then 2017 i think we went all the way down to like 3.5 mil which was still kind of big but small you know um and it's because i i basically cut just heaps of retail stores cut all wholesale distribution i just wanted to simplify just just to direct to consumer so i just basically cut that and it took yeah and we we're bubbling and then went to like 3.2 million and 3 million, and started to just slowly and that was because you we weren't growing it's because my confidence was so shot you know so mm. i was saying no to every opportunity previously i'd say yes to every opportunity
0: when did that start um, to change you think? and
1: i'd also start to i'd start i'd skimp out on hiring really good people i would just get people based off circumstance and you know that would just help out you know and i think that at that level but then as a result i would also be like i'll do it i'll take take on the additional pressure so I was essentially killing myself at the expense of trying to make the company survive, but actually it was like, it was actually just destroying everything, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: So it took years man, years. So kind of fast, um, backtracking a bit, when you had that moment where you had that basic panic attack, for lack of a better word, mm. potential heart attack even, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. which is in itself is pretty a uh, scary situation to find yourself. Um, it, seems to be tied in with the fact that you had to take on the burden of being now um, involved with the finances and the mm-hmm. business side. Is that where was the first step that she actually took to start learning and just responding to that stimuli? Because, man, like a lot of people would have just been like, nah. But yeah. you realised you had to take on that burden. So how did you take that first step?
1: Well, I think it's like you but
0: was- Sorry, but by that I mean like, was that... Was there a, um, a person, a book you read, was there? A
1: yeah, well, I'd read tons of books up until that point, but yeah. one thing, understanding a the theory and actually being in the battlefield, implementing what you learn, and it's stressful, man. And I think you got to be careful what you wish for because I also wanted to, those years leading to that point, I also, I was like, man, I want to upskill myself as a businessman, not just a creator, but a businessman. And then... Um, be careful what you wish for because it came it just didn't come in the shape and form that i desired it came in the form of like bankruptcy and carnage um so i had to step up but i just had to basically with my simple mindset i was like man this is a fucking mess and i can't actually get a read on what's going on so i just started implementing real simple things like first thing was having a more uh, robust cash flow forecast which i could actually make sense of and understand what our cash position would be like tomorrow and in the next six months, 12 months. So that was one thing. And then once I got a, got a really good read on that and I got an accountant to fill that in on a daily basis, it was around, okay, profitability, how can we become more profitable? It's pretty fucking easy to become more profitable once you have the actual optics of what's going on. So I started working on that. And it was like the next thing, and it's like, okay, all this operational okay. stuff is stressing me out okay, I need to get someone to take this off. And then that's when I met, met Nick and he was just like a wizard at it, very commercial background. He started taking on all the operational side of it, which was um, amazing because it started to free me up more to focus on what I was good at. But at the same time, it was also really nice to have somebody at a high level that was also a partner. And it kind of made me, made me remember about the amazing thing of having a partner, you know, a business partner. Um, because you've got somebody to bounce off when you're feeling confused or down. Uh, You've got someone that cares about this thing just as much as you do. You've got someone that's actually going to be as passionate and add value to the game where you're you're weak at. So it was, um, that started to, you know, started to get us to get a bit more momentum going again. And um, that's when I think the first thing we did was... uh I think we, what do we do? Oh, I started switching our website, you know, from this old clunky Magento that was costing us tons of money, thousands of dollars, because we had to use um, outsourced developers to sw- switching to a more sleek, slicker, cheaper system. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, and just started momentum and everything is just a muscle.
0: It's just like start rebuilding a muscle. Yeah. What is it that you can speak to if you were to kind of, um Give it, a, give it a give it a form, you know, in, in, in you know, one sentence or maybe several sentences is that what do you say to how it is up until this point that got you to this point? what was required like what was it that made you stand apart, you think, from say the other layperson being in a similar situation, not to take it away from them, but what what can you say to that you know
1: yeah well, I think honestly I could say hand on heart that if anybody was on the same journey as I was. I reckon probably 99% of people, probably more, would have quit. And I think it's the sane thing to do. But I knew I was kind of insane. And I just had this, like... I think I had this ability to um, remain quite stoic and steadfast amongst the chaos. Even though I was scared at the time and emotions came through and whatnot. But then I started to... um, I just started to keep reminding myself of a vision. And I also knew that perseverance as well was just like a a, a crucial ingredient. And I knew that, because I'd read heaps of books and I knew that all the greats and everybody I admire had once upon a time encountered a very similar, if not the exact same situation. You know, growing too quickly, um, expanding too quickly, money issues, blah, 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 blah. So I kind of knew, I was like, okay, well, this is like, this is like a pretty consistent theme in all the other stories that I've read. So that kind of gave me reassurance. And I also knew that, man, what else? This is what I'm good at. This is what I know, you know? And I also knew the mistakes that we'd made, and I knew how to fix them. And I think that if I didn't know the mistakes, and I didn't have that kind of intelligence to know the mistakes, then it would have been a lot scarier, but I knew where we went Hmm. wrong. And I also knew that mm. if I could get... And that was something that I was always pretty good at. And even to this day, it's like figuring out where we we're, where we were wrong, where we've gone wrong, where, where we are weak, and what I'm good at, and then basically getting the people, the best people I can, and put them in those positions. And um, and that's basically what I did. So I think that was probably like a bunch of stuff, stuff that I did. And simplifying everything, you know, just making it just like making it online, making it so it kind of designing my life, sorry, designing the business around my life rather than my life around the business was real crucial as well. Because mm, That I started must have to been a hugely pivotal shift. Yeah, because I was like, up until rec- like three, four years ago, I'd never taken like a three-week holiday, you know? And I reckon it's fucked because you just get fatigued and burn out and you don't recover properly. And I think that's in, in every every sport or form of competition it's like the recovery is just important if not more important than the training itself yeah and the thing is is like recovery
0: is what's gonna allow you to be where you're at because if you ain't recovering there's gonna be no gains whatsoever absolutely and recovery in
1: this sense was was basically like just getting away from it you know and just switching your brain off and um reading different things and just different environments and different perspectives and breaking your routine and you know cuz the last thing you want to do is end up resenting what you do because you haven't had the foresight to all the ability to get away from it and refresh and i mm-hmm. think that anything anything done for too long is going you're going to eventually resent it unless you actually have breaks and break it all up you know and that's what i've learned a lot these these years but don't get me wrong there's still still moments where yeah. i'm like oh man <laughs> You know, I still have days, even to this day, where it's like, oh man, like, this is tough, this is hard. Um, but then I just, you
0: know, when I'm figuring it
1: out, I'll just leave for the day.
0: Yeah, know. how how could you approach it to those listening that are in a situation at, of of similarity where they're in a position or in a role or in some career that they've, you know, pretty well, like, committed to and set to and they see it as their, as, as their purpose, for lack of a better word, and, and they are having these talks or they are going through their own inventory and finding parts to declutter but they probably haven't got the willingness or patience or they're afraid to take that step mm-hmm. what what could you say to that as as a means to just simply start to start moving those pieces and start to shift through that
1: yeah i think if like if you're feeling it often um it may not be your purpose you know what i mean and i think also rec- i also reckon purpose is probably a bit of an overused term like I Love Ugly is not my purpose at all. Um, it's just like right now, it's a stage of my life, and I'm getting a lot out of it. But the thing is, it's like, what, and it's also a vehicle where now I can, you know, achieve my goal of financial abundance. Like I Love Ugly is the vehicle of that. Um, but I think the word purpose, it's like some people may not even find it. I think having a purpose, having a purpose, say in the form of a goal um is really good because it's like if you can figure out if you're if you're at a job and you're constantly feeling like fed up and frustrated or whatever try just ask yourself what's the goal here is the goal to like make the mortgage payments or is the goal to make the mortgage payments for the next two years why figure out the next thing and that way it's like okay cool well you know it puts food on the table can make mortgage payments and i know i've only got a couple years and i'm going to figure out what the next thing is you know what i mean it's just like kind of breaking it all up and just mm. trying to figure out i think it's really important to figure out ask yourself the question of why and i think that great questions are always going to lead to better answers and i think better answers are going to lead to better mental clarity and the way you kind of conduct yourself in this life but i think that's too often people just do stuff without actually consciously thinking about why they're actually doing it Mm. a lot of people just do these jobs just because it's a job and it goes back to that whole thing what i said earlier in my story it's just like i went through this whole path of university or whatever just because like it was just because if someone asked me at the time i would have just said i don't know just because this is what i'm supposed to do right but i think if you actually like boil it down and ask yourself the question of why why you're doing this and um and if you can get a bit like a good answer that empowers you i think it will eliminate a lot of those kind of days and those moments where you just feel like fuck what's the point because telling yourself fuck what's the point why the fuck do i have to stay in this job are really bad questions and you get really bad answers and it's just like a vicious cycle but if you can kind of rise above that and ask yourself it's like okay what is the actual reason why i'm in this why i'm doing this job to make money okay cool if it's to make money but it's making you miserable is there actually something else that you could be doing to make money that you're actually happy with and it's like oh yeah well you know i'm pretty good at you know i'm pretty good at finance and i'm passionate about i don't know like
0: shoes shoes." shoe shining it's (laughs) like
1: well maybe i should you know start to narrow so gravitate towards something that's actually a bit more aligned Mm. with making me happy Maybe it means I'll make a little bit less money, but you know, but I put more value on my happiness. Um, Severe so for I'm gonna start making making that shift. Um, yeah, so it's just do you know what I mean. It's like mm. those
0: are reminds me of um kind of like what James Clare talks about in the book Atomic Habits. Is yeah, like, I just finished that. Yeah, pretty yeah. amazing, awesome right? Book. When yeah. he talks about it kind of sounds like similar is that you got to make it attractive, you know? Yeah, if you're about to make this and new make change and make it easy and make
1: it visible. As an example of that, sorry to interrupt, it's just like, because I brought, I kept buying apples for the kids um, and just, you know, but they were never eaten and I was like, well, they're in the fridge in the little vegetable compartment so I just started putting apples in the bowl so they were visible and like, bro, by chewing through like 20 apples a week I wasn't even saying anything. Yeah. You know, because it's there and it's easy and and I think the same is said for like kind of going back to goals. It's like, put the goal on your mirror, put it in your wardrobe door, put it on your phone screen saver, put it in the in the little like flappy bit, you know, in your car, whatever it is to block the sun. Like put them everywhere. And it's just like, it will constantly make it easier for yourself yeah. knowing what you want. You're not going to forget it. And you can use that little trick in many different aspects. And then make it easy. Like if the first step to achieving a goal is, um, no, sorry, as opposed to like, Figuring out, trying to figure
0: out the end goal. Figure out the tiny little easy steps yeah. you need. I to think take losing weight would probably be the most relatable. Yeah, losing weight. People always want to be. I want to have lose forty kilos, but it's like, well, start with five hundred grams. Yeah, exactly. What can be the easiest step yeah. to lose five hundred grams? And what's a little
1: habit yeah. that I need to implement in order to achieve that goal? Okay, well, maybe it's like stop fucking filling your fridge up with ice cream and all this crap for a start. Like shop online buy all the stuff don't have it within your where it's easy for you to snack and to cheat instead replace it with like apples and instead of drinking fruit juice drink water you know um so i think that's like a it's like a little example mm. and it's a that's a book i highly recommend a lot of people yeah. should read as a habits
0: i read it at the beginning of this year and it had that potency of it just being a simple universal truth um true with uh, throughout the book you know uh, there's parts of it where he's almost expanding on the same point but I think it's of, of value it's of yeah, yeah, immense for sure. necessity and also with books as well it's like yeah. they have to be 250 yeah. pages otherwise people can't yeah. justify and most most yeah. books that you find you could read like um, even just the headings this is something I've picked up from um, Ty Lopez is that I yeah. did one of his courses, the 67 steps, which I'd recommend to anyone that's wanting to get anything in life. It's a small, short-term investment, but it has such immense gains and value from it. Is that? When he quote unquote reads a book, he reads a book of a Davis guy and he doesn't necessarily read how we think we need to read. We're told this rule that or oh, to read a book, you must start the book and finish the book beginning to end. But that's just some rule, some arbitrary mm. rule that society set. You can just read 10 chapter headings or maybe just read mm. the, the spine back cover Of the synopsis of the book. You could just read one sentence of the first chapter and you've read that book. Yeah, yeah, totally. You could probably take just that one principle and that you could throw the rest of the book. No offense to the author, but he's happy if you bought the book in the first place, so he wins out. But just that basic principle of like. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. That's how I kind of read now. I just got a highlighter yeah and I just skim through and everything that drops stands out. I just basically highlight and read it and i was like that's cool and i'll probably read that little highlighted part twice and i just go through that and i chew mm. through books in a couple of days now yeah. and i, I think my retention of information is a
0: lot higher yeah yeah i agree Cause there's so much weeds and books that you know it's oh, there yeah, because it needs again the author needs to go to the um the printing press or whoever the 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 company that yeah <laughs> but good luck selling <laughs> a 20-page book <laughs> exactly yeah. It's probably not a thing, or it might be a lucrative business to those listing. Hey, release a twenty-page book. Um, so, uh, what you're saying here with the simplicity and with the attractive and um, and making it easy and whatnot, it, it kind of ties in going a bit more um, into the the company, the business itself, with with your approach to releasing drops. Is I can't help but think that maybe now you see it as so but in the time you didn't is that you've kind of presented that that way with going against the grain with Mm. most clothing businesses and having almost monthly drops as opposed to seasonal drops and Mm -hmm. in that giving your customer base more options more accessibility to more options Mm -hmm. and there's variety so is that something obviously that was pretty intentional for you offset
1: every time Every time we release the product, like our sales would spike, our traffic and everything would spike. So we're like, okay, well, everyone does this four times a year, why don't we do it once a month? It's like, well, why don't we do it once a week? And now it's like, well, let's do it twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. So many people copy this model now, um, but it just works. We just basically do, we break up our monthly collection into whatever, how many, you know, Tuesday, Thursdays there are in a month it might be might be six might be eight sometimes we even do 10 12 and um yeah we just release them and it just brings people back and the thing is is like if you have a say like a music artist or whatever that releases say once every four years which some do it's um i don't know it's just like sometimes you just lose interest you know Mm. but if you've got someone that releases frequency uh, sorry releases frequently it um mm. it just draws you in a lot more. If you speak to somebody once a year, the relationship's going to be very different to someone that you speak to twice a week. You know, you, it's going to be richer, and you're going to be more engaged with what's going on, and show more interest. And we just applied that similar model into into the business, and it's been to this day, yeah, twice a week. Same and model. Our whole business. It's very easy looking at it from afar like I'm going to do that but the implementation of it is actually extremely difficult in terms of like you know the whole financial financial side of it the systems the logistical side of it it like every aspect you know in order mm. to get a product online it's quite baffling how many steps and how many people are involved in that process
0: yeah. so that that kind of brings up another question which I think you can relate it to almost everything in life is the freshness of it cuz you with with releasing in such a high frequency the ability to keep innovating you could say mm-hmm. but not necessarily doing it just to keep innovating but it's mere nature of yeah. yeah you need to in this, yep. in this climate so how is it that you found um a, a model and like a, a formula to be able to better innovate and to be keep keep fresh and to keep ideas flowing
1: um people eh? like yeah. nowadays i'm not on the tools as much as i was and I think as a result of that, is we're growing and innovating even more because I've got somebody that's 100% solely dedicated to just just, just product and innovating and researching. Whereas my world is like, that's like, I've got a million other things to focus on now just because of the size of the company, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a big business now. Um, it's like, I can't do that anymore. I'm still still overlook it and heavily involved in it. I've got somebody or I've got a bunch of people that are solely dedicated to product innovation. We've got an amazing feedback loop with our customer service and our customers and our retail store where we get like a report every single day on who said what, what do people want, what were the, but not only what do they want and what's the good things but what's the bad things Mm. and we take all that information on board and I constantly ask, like when we're doing product, I constantly ask the team, I was like okay what's the point of difference here? Where's the x-factor? Where's the twist? Uh, are we pushing the boat out too much? And you have to have that, there's a real art of like being too innovative as well and too early. You don't want to be the first in anything in life I think. You want to like kind of like step behind a little bit, make the person that's doing all the innovation, make all the fuck ups or whatever or you can learn from it. And then from that you kind of go back and you're like you refine and tweak and whatnot. And Steve Jobs was a mastermind of this. Like he wasn't actually the first to do a lot of stuff. He just basically yes. let a lot of people do it, and he kind of sat back and he almost amalgamated all the different innovations that all these people had had set the path for, and then that's where his genius came through, you know, because he made he was like a refined, better version of the people, the true innovators.
0: Mm. This speaks to a lot of the power of um, having like some form of committee or having some form of like reciprocation from and relationships outside of it, and having that kind of communal conversation Mm. you know and being willing to be told you're wrong or be told you're right yeah or be told that you're going too far left or going too far right yeah having like a a sense of uh yeah it's almost equanimity yeah like
1: feedback loop and yeah um yeah i agree definitely Um, and a lot of people don't like to hear the truth or don't like to hear stuff that negative you know they perceive it as like that person's a hater or this or that
0: coming at me
1: yeah and, they, they're, and their ego takes a hit but the thing is it's like I think no matter how hateful the person is or whatever there's still an element of truth there and if you can rise above your emotions and really extrapolate that truth that can, that can really serve you well going forward you know what I mean and I think that um, yeah a lot of people just get way too emotional when they hear the truth or when somebody says something that's constructive or whatever if you perceive it as constructive ra- rather than this person is being a hater um man it can be transformative and honestly yeah I, even nowadays i kind of go you know you you um engage with a business and you go through the whole process and i'm like oh my like, god how are these people in business you know what i mean it's like and, and you kind of tell them and they just get all like uptight and uh, like essentially tell you to fuck off you know and i think it's such a bad way and it's like you're not going to survive if
0: you're like that mm. yeah yeah yeah, there's so much, so much of a sense of humility that's required. From what I'm hearing, it's of um, it's almost of necessity if you wanna if you wanna thrive. I think, as you said, there's some that can get by and yeah. you know scrape past that. But I think if you are wanting to thrive and make it sustainable, there is a huge sense of um, humility that's required. Right, I think, yeah. and, I, and and what's with that is that's again, it's a universal truth. So a lot of a lot of what I'm hearing in this story is that there's these universal truth that you had to encounter and they're not just bound to business or starting a clothing business, they're completely able to be reflected and echoed in every area of life. Mm-hmm. Training, relationships, nutrition, yeah. diet, of course there's the finances and then there's all those factors and there is these constant truths that are emitting in every area and the more you can kind of sit with that and approach it in that way it's gonna probably be long lasting it sounds yeah it sounds definitely. like that in your case
1: yeah yeah like um oh man it's true like business i think as what i said earlier in the conversation it's just a metaphor for life and it's exactly the same as like in any anything you're trying to pursue in life being a great rugby player or a great athlete or a great singer or a rapper or artist, it's like, it's all the same, you know, you have to conduct your mindset in a certain way, you have to eat a certain way, you have to um, sleep, you have to rest, you have to proceed, have an amazing feedback loop, you have to keep an open mind, you have to be willing to adjust, you have to be, have your finger on the pulse with what the market actually wants as well, give them enough to feed the market, but also enough to actually surprise them. It's just like, it's just a multi-faceted, multi-layered, multi-dimensional game. Um, but anyb- anybody can play it, um, but to be good at it, you have to kind of deep dig, deep, dig really deep. It's almost spiritual. That's what even Robert Kawasaki, that Rich Dad Poor Dad guy says, you know, I always tell you his books are, are not just financial, they're spiritual because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. as opposed to asking yourself, i can't afford it or i can't do it start asking yourself how can i afford it how can i do it you start kind of tapping into the spiritual realm within you this this untapped um this untapped potential and you start your brain starts thinking differently you start visualizing stuff differently like the perfect exercise is what i wanted to learn to tony robbins and he got the crowd of two thousand people to basically close your eyes look around the room open your eyes look around the room, um, for whatever is red. And then you're, you're kind of like looking around the room tells you to close your eye. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm botching it. He basically tells you to close your eyes and then look around the room for what's red, close your eyes again. And then, um, and then he says tell, look around the room for what's, what's Brown or it was another color. And the thing is, is like the whole time you're looking for red. So you don't see the Brown the brown was always there but you weren't looking for it you're looking for the red and i think it's the same thing with like what i said before it's like how can i afford it how can i succeed how can i come out of this and be happy how can i do my craft and be happy how can i be a better father how can i be a better husband be a better partner you know it's like asking those things and you'll start to you'll start to figure out the way, how can I succeed? It goes back and to
0: the reticular activator system. Yeah,
1: right? reticular activator system, it's all intertwined. It's yes. like your question was, how did I get through? And why did 99% of people, 99% of people don't pursue the the answers to these questions. They that accept reality as reality.
0: And they probably asked the wrong questions. And they asked
1: the wrong questions and they call it a day. Whereas it's like, I refuse to do that. I, I basically want to seek, I want to get better. Um, I want to seek out the great, you know, the the best answers to the, the best question I could possibly ask myself. And you figure it out. And before you know it, this stuff just begins coming naturally to you. And it becomes, people kind of look at you and they're like, oh, you're lucky or you're so smart. Man, I am not fucking smart. Like, when it comes to IQ tests and basic ass stuff, like... Or if you, if you judge me based off my academic successes, like I am not smart, but I'm smart enough to know that that is not the benchmark of what smartness is, you know? And I think I, yeah, just, just an insatiable hunger, man. Everybody's got that potential with them, but nobody's, a lot of people aren't Mm -hmm. willing to do the work to make the sacrifice, you know, to go to bed early, to get into good routines, to read the books, to practice how to break good bad habits and to implement good habits like Mm. all that that's boring shit man yeah all that stuff's boring
0: because what what you're saying it brings up a lot in my life personally right now is um to those listening i was (coughs) um pursuing a real really disciplined regimented way of eating uh, the last four months and it was you know days i'd wake up and it would suck it would be fucking miserable i wouldn't want to do it and i'd want to just gorge myself in foods that were tasting good and then I did an experiment the last month and I just let all those barriers down and then gorged and went off of the foods that tasted good and I find myself in a position now where huh, I'm not any happier I probably feel worse off my body's in worse shape than when Mm -hmm. I was when I was in the state of going completely directly Mm -hmm. disciplined and structured and in a way grinding in a state of it was it was kind of a bit painful at times but that contrasted to how i am now it's so much better off being in that position where you are kind of in that place of discipline and structure and grinding but it's more rewarding mm. it's like we're designed yeah. for that
1: because i was watching you doing that diet and i was actually like looking at it when you're doing your training and admiration and i was getting quite inspired by it but then also something my intuition was like because I'm always thinking about stuff when you've got amazing habits, um, how do you also make it sustainable as well? And I think when stuff is like too, way too disciplined, no room for error, no room for, say, um, like fluidity or just life to come in, Mm. it does make it hard to stick to it. And then I was thinking like, fuck, I wonder how long he's going to stick to it. And you did what you said, four months. But then at the same time, there'd be stuff and it was like, fucking healthy and delicious but it wasn't like you know a dunkin donut or a crispy mm. cream but you wouldn't have it mm. and i'm thinking to myself kudos to him and fucking admirable and a lot of people couldn't do it but there's also like i think there's also repercussions of um being too strict as well mm. which is binge eating and a lot yeah. of you i'm not saying you were this but yeah. that's why like diets and crash diets don't work because it's like original uh, like eventually your willpower is going to break. And then all this good that you're supposedly trying to do will become undone because you end up binge eating and compensating for all this, okay. all this lack of and for. Yeah, yeah, whereas for me, I'm, on, I'm, I'm so like, it, it, as I said, don't take it the wrong way because I was highly inspired by it. Like, that's actually what got me into my training and stuff. But then I'm also into sustainability as well in the yeah. sense where I can, my habits and my eating habits I've had for 10 years you yeah. know my weight very rarely fluctuated i'm 36 i'm like yeah shredded <laughs> <laughs> um you know i don't train i don't train like those dudes that you see on instagram and whatnot um like i you know i sometimes you get sick and whatever i had COVID yeah. and it fucked me up for yeah. six weeks and i lost my training but then we were having a combo over there I'm back into it, and I'm already running 10Ks again. It's mm. kind of like enjoyable, and you know, kind of what? eating, eating the foods and whatnot. And it's kind of going back to everything, yeah. right? It's like try to figure out the, try to figure out your happy space. Yeah, and it's different for everybody. Like people say cheat days and stuff, and I, mean, it's a I shit I, mentality. Yeah, I shit mentality. Like I honestly, I'll have like, I'll have a day where like, you know, you'll have a, go to a kid's birthday party and eat the cake and this and that, and like it just feels like shit. Like, yeah. you just feel so shit. And I'm more into, no matter, despite how painful or the sacrifice you are making in that moment, focus on, ignore that, focus on how good you're going to feel afterwards and how shit you're going to feel afterwards if yeah. you don't don't make that decision. Yeah. So, for me, I guess my point is this, like, sustainability. Mm-hmm. So, it's just, like, turning the heat down a little bit. And just making the habit or whatever you are implementing sustainable for the long term. Mm. Having some room for some enjoyment. And it's like for business as well. It's like I have some room for error. I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know I'm going to lose money. Like I know that I'm going to, you know, be humiliated. And I know that I'm going to do something thinking it's going to be good and it's not going to be good. Like I know that. I've got room for error. And I think it's just like having a little bit of room for error in all aspects of your life just sets yourself up for not being so bummed out if something doesn't go your way. And um, if does, something doesn't happen as quickly as you'd like, that's okay because you know it's just kind of part of the process. And, um, you know, if you're doing this crazy training or whatever, yeah, you're going to have... You're going to go to a birthday party or whatever or you going to have some dinner catch-ups with some friends and there will be a bear. And don't feel bad about it, you know. there's yeah. room for error. And just... You're only one meal away or one decision away from getting back on the path. I think if you do it, and that's what James Clear talks about, I think if, like, once once is okay, twice isn't okay. You know what I mean? Mm. Just try to get back on the path after the second time or the second meal or, you know, the second day. Just don't let it become two days, three days because eventually you're going to start to develop a bad habit.
0: Yep. What what came up there is something I learned from this um, leadership ex Navy Seal. Um, his name's Jocko Willink, and he talks about the idea, which which incredibly resonated with me, is that life gives you days off. Yeah. So in other words, life gives you these quote unquote cheat days. Is that if you're following this lifestyle that's very intentional and structured, is that if you find yourself in a situation where you're <laughs> gonna be able, you're presented with a bear or piece of cake, that you're like, oh well. Life here has now presented you with the opportunity to have a beer or to have a piece of cake. Yeah. But to not feel that you're deviating from it and going back to James Clear is that one moment's good, twice no. If you're able to identify that you quite, you, you supposedly fell off your regimen, just be very quick and very intentional, very conscious and aware to recorrect, to course recorrect. Otherwise you're going to fall back into that same yeah, habit. Yeah. So it's approaching that you're allowing it to be, there's more room for play. And this yeah. kind of brings up the idea about the 80-20 rule, which I think is universal in everything. Mm -hmm. 80% of the time eat right, 20% of the time don't. 80% of the time you're saying that business is um, mental, 20% of it is actually the numbers. Mm -hmm. You could say that with like relationships, Mm -hmm. every area. I want to kind of touch on that um, that 80% rule and how much of that the mentality side is the idea that, that spirituality seems to play a part in that, you know, faith. Spirituality. Um, some people say God. Some people say the universe. How is it that your? What's your relationship like in that domain? And how much do you think that plays a role in that eighty percent number?
1: Mm, yeah, nah, epic. So I'll answer that. And just another thing, we're just talking about habits. Is what I started to do is um, I almost, and I know you do this. I think I learned it from you. Is keeping a log on. For me, it was exercise. And what I do is I'll just real basic. It's just like July what's today, July the uh, 11th, I don't even 12th, know. 12, 11th. 12, yeah, it's like sweet, 40 minute run, 20 minute kettlebell workout or whatever. Mm. And I'd keep a log, I've done that for the last few months. And then, um, I found myself, uh, it was yesterday where I was like, man, I feel like I haven't kind of done that much in the last 10 days. And then I looked at my log and I was like, damn, I've actually exercised and worked out eight out of the 10 days but I felt that I didn't. And when I saw it visually written down, I was like, shit, man, that's pretty damn good. Good on you. Like, you're you're sweet. And that's where like journaling and just recording as much as you can is so important because it kind of gives you, I think humans have a a tendency just to forget. And we also have a tendency, especially if you're a high achiever, to be harder on yourself. I think it's like some people are soft on themselves. Some people are way too hard on themselves. And I think having a journal and recording allows you to kind of look back at the record, at the log of kind of what you've done and you forget, man. And even it's good at the end of the day just to list down, say, five good things that happened to you. A lot of people are like, oh, I had a shit day. But it's like, well, write down five good things that happened to you. It could be that that you listened to the song in the car and it brought up some euphoric past memory. That's a good thing. Write it down. It could be that... Uh, A friend that you hadn't heard from a while text you to say, Hey, P, how's it going? That's a good thing. Like, write it all down. But anyway, that was just something, you said something before that sparked me. But Mm. going back before about the 80% or the spirituality thing, it's like, um, yeah, I had, I had, uh, you know, we we grew up Catholic or whatever. Um, I didn't know, I just went through the motions, didn't believe in God or anything, or at least I didn't think I did. 2017, when I'd done everything what I thought was the right thing to do, like, tactically, um, and it was still going bad, I felt like, man, this is almost beyond me. This is like a, like, I need to tap into the spiritual side that I hadn't tapped into ever, really, since I was a kid, like, pretty much ever. And um, and then I just, I, I kind of fell into a church and I went down this kind of Christian path for a while and, like, without all the religious stuff, because I think that, you know, religions almost label it like label it almost to be taboo but i think if you kind of peel all that stuff back and if you if you find some sort of portal that you allow that allows you to develop a deeper connection with god or with you know some invisible force that helped create you and get you here in the first place i think it's a good thing because it it, it, it kind of gets you out of your own head and gets you out of your own shit, and it actually makes you realize that there's a there's a force in this world, or you know in this world or of this universe that is far greater than yourself, and you can actually tap into that force, to to you know allow you to achieve things bigger than you bigger than you thought was actually achievable or bigger than you actually can bigger or greater than you can actually comprehend and I think that the power of faith and that's probably a key word that I've missed in this whole conversation was ever since I you know had my daughter that was a uh, three months prim I had faith and I'm not talking in a religious sense I just had this faith within me that brought me peace despite all the carnage that was going on that I'd get through and I'd be okay it may not mean that I'd succeed on paper But i'd be okay and i'd survive and i think that um i think faith is something that i've strengthened more and more over the years because it's made me realize that faith can be applied to different facets of your life and the more faith you have and believe in it and let go and it comes through the more it strengthens your faith in the first place Mm. and it's almost like this reciprocal process that basically just like snowballs on top of uh, itself and the moment I step away from my faith and think I can kind of do it just say on my own, is a is a moment that my 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 faith gets tested, and my faith got major, majorly tested beginning of this year. You know when the woman that I loved most, you know most important important person to the world and, and and my world left me, you know, and we we ended up having a you know getting getting a divorce and like I had to I had to fully. Yeah, tap back into my faith just when everything was all roses and rainbows in my life I got slammed again in an area where I've never quite been tested as much as I had and and that's another lesson itself it's like expect like successful people anticipate that things are going to happen and since they anticipate anticipate they're not as reactive whereas say unsuccessful people think that that nothing's really going to happen and then something that bad happens, where it be a health scare, um, a, a relative gets sick, you get sick. Financially, you lose a job, a financial crisis, right, you broke a leg. like. But, and they're so reactive and they get in these holes and, you know, and um, I think that's the wrong outlook. You kind of want to be, you don't want to be pessimistic, but you also want to anticipate that bad stuff happens in life. And I think it's a sign of life. And the thing is, is the more the more you try, the more the older you get, more stuff is gonna happen and it's almost that circle of death comes closer and closer. Mm. So I think that's kinda what that's what that whole you know, whole perspective has allowed me to really kinda like deepen deepen my faith. Deepen deepen the faith even and trust in myself that I'm gonna be okay. Um thanking thanking God and just or giving thanks uh, for for what you do have good going on in your life, despite maybe a lot of bad stuff is happening. Um, I think that I think as a result of that as well, it's just like certain things start gravitating towards you. And once again, it's out in spiritual whatever. But the thing is, it's like I think it's hundred percent true. Once you become aware to it, it's like that example I said before. It's like you get what you look for. If you're looking for brown you'll find brown if you're looking for red you'll find red if you're looking for blue shoes you'll find the blue shoes if you're looking for good you'll find the good you'll attract the good you'll see the good and that's why you get certain people that they gravitate towards say like criminals or whatever because despite the offenses what they did to put them there in the first place they can see the good within that person and they have this longing this yearning desire to actually help this person because they can see the good within them and I think that's what's you know, that's, that's what I try to do is I try to see, I try to see the good in the, in the situation. I try to look for the gem for the lesson. Mm-hmm. I try to, you know, I, I get put in these testing times, but I think that, I think that when you're put through the ringer, it's in life, it's a great thing because it's like you're getting tested. It means that you are something you are special you've got something to to do in this you, you you have to make a dent in this world and it also um it also forces you to go deeper within yourself and also it forces you to let go of more and let it be it's not in your control anymore you just have faith that it's going to work out in your favor and i think that life you know life doesn't it's not like when bad things happen in life it's not it's not an attack because life, I think, is is constantly happening in your favor. It's constantly happening to you. You know, it's it's constantly happening for you. It's constantly, you know, it's going to unfold in a way where, if you've got this attitude, where things that you could not fathom, say, two years ago, will start to start to happen and start to unfold. So I don't know, a bit of a tangent. I haven't really. Yeah, I'm not really articulating myself very well next because it's not something I've kind of outwardly
0: spoken about. Yeah, but, I but I think I think what's coming up here is <coughs> your everything that you're saying that you went through, <coughs> none of it um, had, you didn't have a tool book or you didn't have like a guide, you didn't have like some freaking manual to get through it, but you had to tap into that, going back to the question, that 80%, but it's almost sounding like 100% of this deep intrinsic knowing and this faith and this surrender, but then there's mixed in with everything we've covered, the knack of resilience, the um, naivete, all those components seem to have come together for you to be able to better go through that situation. That this didn't, you couldn't have got through this if you'd have read a book or read some manual. We wouldn't have no. been able to got through it, but you had to actually go through that ringer. And it's sounding like the question is the answer in this case is that, mm you were able to tap into that and that was what it was that presented itself was that was that 80 percent, you know mm. so yep. and you you said something i just kind of want to like go over a bit more is that you know you talked about the successful people um and there's a sense of anticipation there and unsuccessful obviously with um the divorce that wasn't something that you anticipated mm. however you got through it again going back to that neck of the resilience and the patience and the faith and I remember when you're going through it I'd said something to you and you actually echoed it back to me of that it had a (laughs) impact is that you're meant to go through this and Mm. as I reflect back on your life and as a listener can when they hear the story is that a lot of that is that that each moment is a moment because you had to go through it and A lot of um, Hindu spirituality and faith, uh, they speak of the idea of your dharma, your path. That's your path set up for you. And that there's kind of that deterministic argument there that whether or not each action you make is your own action. Each outcome is set for you or is it based on the actions you make to have that outcome? Mm -hmm. But a lot of what I'm hearing here is that it was you're meant to go through and it's like you've been tested and at the same time having the mentality and that, 80%, 80%, the psychology component, the spirituality component, because I think now tied in, that is what it was that got you through that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So for those listening, I think that's the biggest takeaway here in this whole conversation is that it's not all just on paper. You have to experience it and you have to just keep fumbling around. But eventually, if you're intentional with the fumbling around, there's going to be something from it. And But it's going to be painful. I think that's mm. like inevitable here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's like, I, I, I kind of forgot I said that, but it's so true. It's just, you can come out of situations bitter, or you can come out better. And I always choose to come out better. And that's something where it's now just, just part of me, and it just happens by default. And I think that, don't get me wrong, it's not like when, you know, I'm hit with a calamity and I'm like, oh, great fucking pain (laughs) i I hate it it sucks man but um you get for it and you're a human you're gonna feel
0: pain probably the same as most people you're gonna feel resentment anxiety depression but also
1: it's like in in my sense like i really i knew that since because you know all the business stuff for kids my kids didn't really kind of didn't really know much difference or it was just kind of normal you know it's something that i took on board but in this situation where really affected their world where their world got kind of broken in half right so that's a tough thing to navigate because you're dealing with an emotionally immature soul which which is a child but also a very it's it's like a very pure and loving soul so you almost had to i had to navigate my myself in a way where i had to rise above a lot of stuff that previously it would have taken me probably years to get a get out you know to, to, to figure out but in this sense I had to kind of do it on the fly because I was pretty broken um, and as a result like my kids six months seven months on um, you know you speak to the teachers and they didn't even know that their parents had had a divorce how stable they are how happy they are um, you know they are on yeah you know? mm. I just I it just this this situation just Caused me to to step above, and I think that we all have our threshold of control. And I think all these um all these tough times that I've experienced, and by all means, there's probably people, listeners or whatever, had worse things happen to them. And I'm not saying relative. That. It's, yeah, it's relative all relative, here. you know. For me, it was tough, like you know, depression, suicide thoughts, three weeks to prepare to be a dad at 22. Like your world changes, you know, bankruptcies and this and that and divorces it's like every time i got through one of those challenges and i experienced a new one despite it being new and difficult like your threshold of control is has grown so much and you can just take on more Mm. and more and more and i know there's going to be other stuff that's going to happen for me Mm. in the future i know that but my ability to adapt and survive and thrive and get through it and come out of even better my um my my, my potential which time i go through this is only expanding um and that's where you know all these moments are actually like complete blessings despite sucking
0: at the time yeah i wanna i don't wanna um go on too much longer so i appreciate your time uh but i've got a few more questions but one thing came up um i'm kind of um <clears throat> sharing a bit from my experience here but obviously you know you're my brother and I got to be close by as you did go through your divorce and um, as you were grieving and um, something I learnt from this great teacher was grief unresisted is grace and Mm -hmm. I don't think we'd discussed it yet but as I was observing you because at the time for me I lost one of my closest uh, friends um, to suicide and having a grieve and deal with that process it was something that I never thought I'd ever have to encounter in my lifetime but here I am here we are all the the brothers around me all the friends around me had to experience the same thing the parents it's just another level for the parents and the siblings however realizing and (coughs) accepting that this was the reality I had to grieve one of my closest friends when I was seeing you go through it (coughs) you took the approach where you didn't seek any means of pleasure or any means of masking it Mm -hmm. i'm just so fascinated as to where that awareness came from for you to actually deal through that whole process how was it how was it that you did deal with that process well so remember
1: earlier in the story where um like i used narcotics and drugs and stuff as a coping mechanism and i saw the result of it like it was basically like you become numb and eventually they don't work or you need to use harder drugs in order to mask, you know, mask the, the, the pain. Um, and it's not until I started to cho- choose a, a healthy path till I realized, man, this is the right path. This is like a life, lifelong commitment. So every time I went through I went through difficult times, I, I tripled down on myself. And even I saw one of my good mates, his, brothers, his brother, sorry, went through a divorce And he was the textbook of what not to do. You know, he drank, drugs, psychedelics, slept with peeps, a woman, just constant forms of escapism. Four years on, he's still he's still mourning and still an an absolute mess. You know what I mean? For me, six months on, I think I'm a hundred and fifty percent better person. It's because I chose the hard path initially, which equaled uh, basically led me to the easier path later on. Which was okay. No drugs, no alcohol, nothing. Which you want to, you want to, because you want to escape the pain immediately. Because yes. the pain is almost so unbearable. You want to, it's basically, you don't want to experience it because it, it's hurt. It hurts, you know. I think that I think uh, um, they did some studies. Of the literature says that the the pain of a heart being broken is worse than the broken leg. You know, and I don't know how they measure the pain receptors, but it's essentially more painful. I 100% agree on that. I haven't broken a leg, but I've snapped ankles and snapped bones and ligaments, and those are excruciating. This was significantly worse. Um, But I also knew that it was an opportunity to go deep within myself, and I kind of felt some, some peace within that, knowing that this is going to be a tough journey. And I also felt that talking about it, to say, like, my brothers and my trusted friends. I had a few friends seeing a therapist, writing it, writing down, journaling. And just feeling the pain and experiencing it, rather than shying away from it, knew that I was going to aid my healing. And um, and I did that. I just felt the pain and I leant into it. And I was just that d- dumping everything that was going on in my mind on paper. And I was just speaking to the you know my trusted friends and family. And um, and I I also showed that pain and vulnerability to to my kids as well. And um, mm. prior to that, I was just like trying to hide it from him, but I don't think it was actually doing him any favours because mm-hmm. I think it's important to see, it's important to see their father broken and also to rebuild himself,
0: you know? Again, comes back to that situation where you, the business was potentially going to be liquidated 100%. and you we went back to the headquarters and yeah, told them. You, I told them. You, if if you wanted I didn't tell to, them,
1: Yeah, if I lied, I wouldn't be able to get out of that situation. Um, and you can't get out of these situations by yourself. And the thing is, it's like you get, a, you get out of it with that trusted support group around you. And what it made me realize is like the amount of people that I didn't expect to kind of rise up and just offer support and just, you know, help or whatever in shape or form. It also made you, it, was a testament to me that, yeah, I am a good man. And um, a lot of people that I didn't expect kind of rise up and mm. they're like, they, they, they offered to help. You know, I didn't work for three months first three months of a year and I I I had people like that not all staff knew but a few trusted people um, knew and they just they took on on board everything that I had to do and it's just like I had to let that go and I just had to like trust the process and I just had had to heal myself and um and then I knew that I knew that I'd come out of it better and I just didn't you know, I, I, I have no resentment towards my ex wife, nothing. I did not let resentment once creep into my heart. Mm. I basically didn't say anything bad about her. I try to be. I try to demonstrate that. Um, yeah, I can come out of this, and even even the lawyers and stuff said they've never seen it like this. And it's not just me. Obviously, it's her as well. Of course, but um, but it try to it try to come out of this and um, try to do it differently. You know, defy all the odds, because and divorces and stuff can be so ugly. And I can see. I can see how and why it's like it's a lot of people just with unresolved traumas and their own issues and they just project it onto the other and they think mistakenly that by making the other person's life howl it's going to bring him some form of satisfaction because or it's going to be some form of retaliation but the only person who's suffering is you resentment's like drinking poison and hoping that the other person will get sick and die that's the way i see resentment and um i just refuse to let that come into me because i know that as soon as you allow a drop of poison to come into you it just basically spills into all other aspects of your life then i refuse that i want to have a good life yeah a deep life a life full of rich experiences and and full of wisdom and um and i think as a result if you can measure the yardstick of the success of that being based off my children who have no nowhere near the same emotional intelligence as myself or um or an or or an adult uh, if you measure the success based off how they are, I'd say it's been pretty good, like, i've oh, flippin' solid, and you could probably testify for this yes. as well.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest part was the fact of the transparency piece, and you almost, yes, are uh, emotionally um, very immature, but being able to approach it and present it to them as if they were adults mm. and being so honest. For sure. That was probably one of the most <coughs> purest um, Sites of parenting I've ever seen because I'm not a parent myself, but you know, if I become one one day, I want to approach it exactly like that with my kids being able to treat them like they are adults.
1: Yeah, totally. And by and, and, and also, but even some adults get this wrong, right? I think it's just being like, yeah, as you said, transparent and then telling them just anything that's on their mind, uh, telling them to talk to me about it and ask me about it. And they are firing me questions left, right, and center like and they still do to this day um but i think it's healthy because i grew up and you know we grew up with parents were our parents they weren't our friends or they weren't someone necessarily that you could be transparent with and open up and be vulnerable with that was my experience anyway um and i i don't want to be like that i had to figure so much shit out by myself which is probably a good because it allowed me to become strong and resilient but man there's a lot of mistakes and a lot of lessons that I can give my kids and they can download from me just simply by having, allowing them to ask the question, you know, no, n- nothing's off limits, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I think, um, and I think as a result, I'll be, you know, pretty, pretty well-rounded. And I even love just teaching them lessons when they're trying to progress in their surfing and skating and, you know, they want to quit or they see this person and they're like, oh, he's so lucky that he can do this move and that move, and I just teach them about you know the perseverance and I do this little graph that success isn't it's, it's not linear like we said before it's like you're gonna progress and you're gonna go through through periods where you're confused and it feels like you're going backwards but you got to keep going and eventually boink you're gonna pop up and you're gonna get better and then you know you'll look at videos of yourself from six months twelve months ago and you think that you haven't progressed but you look back at those videos and you're like god damn it I'm like a completely different you know, surfer or skater or whatever and I try to also apply that not just for those, but for for all aspects of your life. And it's real cool seeing it unfold in in real life. You know, it's like our little experiments based off these theories that I've learned, and it's um it's pretty cool seeing it seeing it in real life.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll have to. Yeah. There's a lot there, and we're probably gonna have to um, land the ship, for lack of a better term. But there's a couple things I'd love to kind of. Um, ask and i think the listener would love to hear is, is well it's two questions um uh, you, you, i would say you in a way talked about it but if it were to be just refined and simplified is what do you wish you heard at the very beginning of starting this journey with i love ugly i don't want to go back to the start before like you were studying um, university and whatnot but like once you started this brand and were like this might be a thing what would be one thing you wish you heard but didn't
1: yeah yeah um it's a good question man it's a good question and a hard question to answer because it's like it's probably like a bunch of things you know yeah um but i think one of them would be and i always go on about this it's like just focus on, focus on you and what is actually important, not what looks fancy or m- what, what doesn't make you look successful. Because the thing is, is like you can drive a nice car and you can look really successful to other people, but you know, deep down inside that it's just a bit of a front. Mm. Um, don't focus on stuff that makes you look fancy or makes you look important. Focus on stuff that actually is important. And I think probably one of the things I should have done, which we cheaped out on all the time, but I never do now, was like someone that's like, in my case, because I wasn't very financially astute, was getting a very, like even if you couldn't really afford it, just figure out a way where you could afford it. it, was like someone that was like really sound with numbers. This is in business. Really sound with numbers and can just tell you the facts. Because the thing is, is like you can do everything right as a creative, but it all comes down to the numbers. And the thing is, it's like, well, I think where, where I really excelled as a creative and as a businessman is when I went through those hard times in 2017 where I had to figure, I had to understand the business side. Me becoming a business, better businessman made me a better creative. Being a better creative made me a better businessman, you know. They, they reciprocated mm. each other. Mm. And I think it's when, um, yeah, it's when you ignore one you know you're focusing on all the fun stuff and ignoring the boring stuff is going to bite you on your ass yes. so that's probably it if i boiled it down yeah it's just like don't just focus on the fun stuff we're always going to gravitate towards the fun stuff because it comes naturally to us but you're probably doing it at the expense of like neglecting the important stuff and the boring stuff and the boring stuff is the important stuff and that's the stuff that can basically like sink the ship no matter how amazingly beautiful that ship is and if you don't focus on that engine room stuff you know the gritty hard work sweaty fucking difficult it's like it's going to undo all the great work so that's probably one thing say from a more practical point of view and i think from a say like a mindset thing it's like just just understand that it it, it, it takes time and be patient and don't compare yourself to so and so starting the business and you know he he's at that position right now or she's in that position and they did it real quick. It's like we all go to at different paces and um, just focus on your stay in your lane, focus on your focus on your life, your path, and just you know, have that have that belief in yourself that it will kinda work out. But also at the same time it's like get some trusted people as well. Don't ask people don't ask people for say business advice that don't have, uh, say, the credentials or are not qualified to give you business advice. Um, Ask someone that's actually good at business and succeeded at business to give you business advice and listen to them. Ask someone that's survived cancer and got through it, ask them about the mental resilience and that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like stick, ask specific people that have succeeded in specific things. I think if you ask, you know, ask your mum, what you should do when you're going through a tough time, she's gonna tell you to quit and that's not what you want to hear because it may not necessarily be mean the good thing to do is quit. It may be to hire the accountant and get rid of that fancy car and get rid of that dipshit and do things a little bit differently. And just keep learning and keep you know, have have a clear some clear goals about what you want to achieve and then figure out the information that you need to that you need to get to in order to, you know, figure out the right answers to achieve what you want to achieve um so that's kind of like it's not one thing it's just a bunch of things as i said it's not it isn't one thing um i wish it was but it's just a bunch of
0: different things yeah Mm, it was kind of a bit of a hook um hook question because i knew you wouldn't answer just with one thing yeah and it naturally progressed into that so yeah that's beautiful bro um and to kind of finish off but i think it's um relatable to every area and every listener right now because everyone's so different is words of advice to aspiring clothing designers but obviously this stems out to athletes entrepreneurs the likes of authors whatever you want to do personal trainers what would be I don't want to say one now but what would be some words of advice for people wanting to go down that route and they are intentional about it and they are they do see it as something that this could be a life of meaning for them
1: Mm. yeah yeah no it's great i see i often see people starting stuff and what they do is they think that they'll create it and the people will come but i think the way i'd do it would be within your kind of within your field of passion or what you're good at it's like figure out a problem within that space what see? um you know uh what what is it what is it that all these people what's 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 this problem? that hasn't been solved yet that's also aligned with their passion and try to figure out the answer to that problem and then try and make a business out of it um, rather than trying to just do something and hoping people will come sometimes it will work but man you can expedite the whole process by try, trying to trying to figure out an answer to a problem that many people have and usually when a few people have it a lot of people have it They just probably don't realize that they've got that problem and you're you know you, you're solving an issue and if you look at all the great businesses and companies or whatever, that are thriving today are the ones that are solving problems, um, you know, like Uber or whatnot. People probably think they're just like a, a car service business, but it's actually about solving the problem of like, of time, of convenience, of, uh, you know, just a whole whole bunch of things. It's like, you, you, you can go to, a, go to a foreign city where you can't even speak English, and you can chuck on the Uber app, and it's just like, you get to where you want to go, like, that's, that's convenience, you know, by solving the problem of like, language barriers and everything, so, that's what I'd probably do, it's like, yeah, figure out a problem that needs to be solved, and go out, go out there and try to solve it, and then, um, and if you're passionate about what that area is, and I think passion's a real important thing, because, like, if you're, you know, if you're into sports, or whatever, and you're real passionate about that, and you're, jumping into like yeah, be a counting space because you see a problem there to be solved it probably won't work but if you can see some problems in like sports and nutrition um and you're also passionate about it i think it's just like yeah it's a good it's a good little um yeah combination
0: yeah amazing um is there anything else you would like to say Uh, i think we
1: said a lot how many hours is that (laughs)
0: <laughs> two, about two hours 20 yeah two hours 30 well, nearly
1: probably the biggest i've done yeah
0: um well yeah i appreciate your time and thanks yeah thank thanks so much for your time actually because it's such a precious um asset and yeah i think this is gonna rock some people it's rocked me i mm. feel like i've heard and now see another dimension of you that i didn't even know and it kind of plays on the idea that you think you know someone but you actually don't and I Until think that's you quite beautiful <laughs> to do a podcast. Yeah. I think that's quite one of the precious things of life is that, you know, we're constantly learning and we'll never stop learning. And an old dog can you learn new tricks. Yeah, yeah. So
1: And everyone everyone's got a story, you know? Yeah. And um, and my story is like as I said before, there's people that have had it far worse off and you said it's all context and it's all relative um but i just think that there's a lot of lessons in mine and i was very shit at articulating myself but then i've just learned to that's a skill that i had to learn it's like try to distill down your knowledge in a way where um you know you can make your journey be a real lesson for for somebody else and that's probably another thing it's like anybody that is embarking on their journey it's just just to try to yeah read the books and stuff and you'll start to see this little little pattern that everybody that's achieved something great has at one point of time or a lot of points of time within that journey encountered like a lot of problems. And that's what kind of keeps you going, I reckon.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you, brother. Um, continue on as you are. And yeah, I can't wait to share this with everyone. Mm. Much love people and just, yeah, take heed of everything in this podcast and pursue your own life with meaning. Just do it Go step into that I love you all Peace and love Peace Well guys How was that How was that Conversation Listening back to it I was I almost forgot Certain points That were brought up By Valentin, And I was like Wow I'm so glad How organically The topics And the seam Of the conversation Led us It happened to Cover so many topics As you heard But they all happened to come back together, which I think is a mark of a good conversation. So I'm glad that Valentin and I were able to pursue this conversation with a real might and a real intention of getting the most out of it. I'd love to hear what came up for you and what uh, topics and what ideas really resonated and something you learned. I'd love to know what it is that confronted you in this conversation because I encountered a few moments where I felt a bit confronted so I think that's important when it comes to having any form of dialogue with people is you want to be challenged and you want to grow from that interaction. Some interactions of course are quite organic and they leave you not feeling necessarily any better than you were, however I do see value in having conversations where you seek to become a better person, you seek to think about things differently and become deeper in your intentions in life so yeah that is all from me for this episode Uh, please as I said in the intro like review and share via Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio whatever platform you do use it is all there I'd love to hear some feedback. I'd love to know what you think. I think Valentin would love to hear and know what you thought. Reach out to him. Let him know. Let him know how the conversation went. Let him know what inspired you. Let him know anything that happened. I'm sure he will be willing to hear and maybe have a chat. Who knows? I don't want to speak on Valentin's behalf. Um, But anyway, that is all. I love you all. I thank you and continue to move forward. Continue to move with intention and continue if you are so inclined to move in service. Much love. Speak to you soon.